Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, the podcast for New Mexico soccer supporters by supporters, bringing you the latest end-to-end coverage on New Mexico United and New Mexico college women's soccer. I am your host, Chris Walker, and joining me is co-host Veronica Zavala and Patrick Baca. Hey guys, how you doing tonight? Doing uh, Aggie-tastic. Yeah, what's going on? You're watching that Aggies game. What's the score of that? Uh, it is currently 2-1. Who are they playing? Uh... Some team in Phoenix. Oh, Grand Canyon. <laughs> How's it going, Veronica? What are you up to? I'm doing pretty good. I'm just here enjoying the weather getting a little cooler out here. Yeah, talk about cool. Man, I'm sitting in my kitchen. I made two two hamburgers tonight on the brioche buns. I have to say the brioche with the uh, sautéed onions. I didn't get too crazy on the fixings because I like to get right in. Uh, it was bomb. But I do know that there are a bunch of fans that went to the Lobo uh, San Diego State game tonight. So there's like 44 degrees or something about that bit. Wind chill was pretty gnarly. But they were holding on to like hot cocoa and, and coffee. Um, I'll tell you what, I was out there a year ago and not only did it get cold, but I think it also like kind of rained at some point. And I was sitting like almost at the top of the stands. And I remember it too, too frankly because uh, every game I was always trying to sit with some friends. And every and Veronica, you remember this story. Every time I would I would go and I I'd, I'd be the first one there, and I'd go sit down. They'd be sitting higher up, and I was like, oh man, here I am sitting lower. They're sitting higher up. I don't want to go higher because, you know, those stadium bleachers, right? I mean, there's no handrails anywhere, and you know they got the little half step in there, that one that like trips you up every single time. Yes. And so, uh, so finally, the last game. It was the it was the deciding game for the Mountain West champ or for the conference, and it was supposed to get cold. And it was it was even supposedly supposed to rain, and and this game was going to be a sellout game. The game that they, I want to say the the game that they, the game that they were to clinch the conference, or uh, to I think maybe maybe tournament. I think that's what it was they there was almost like 700 fans and then the game to like actually boom like secure the conference like champ or conference title before the tournament was um was like 1400 people there and i sat all the way at the top and i was like okay surely they're gonna you know they're gonna come to the top too well they sat lower and i was like oh man forget it like you know so i'm like man i don't like I just took myself out of the ranks of like trying to like sit down where I think people are going to sit down at games anymore. And I went up the side of the, of the stadium. So it was like, I was so high up there. It was so crazy, but 
nonetheless, I, I really enjoyed watching the game from a warm kitchen this this well guys. Um no go ahead. I didn't give you I didn't give you guys enough time to respond. Go ahead. Uh no, I was just it went quiet and I was like, I'm sucked into this game and I didn't hear what the last <laughs> He he was talking about it was cold and yes. he could I was People were say, sitting further and further down, and he was kind of. I was gonna say, um, bird. <laughs> in that, uh, in what? Why would anybody want to sit at the top, Chris? If well, because like cold. Yeah, you know. Okay, so I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Like, I feel like that's a personal decision that uh, I made wrong. it. It's wrong. I, <laughs> I I made this. I made this decision because I was like, you know, there's no handrails in the middle where I would like, you know, want to walk up. It's cold. And you know, when it's cold, I mean, like, it seems like your limbs freeze and everything is like, you're just, you know, you're going to have a hard time walking down the gravitation, the gravitational pull. So I went up the sideway by the concessions. If you remember at uh, UNM complex, they have like handrails and you can, you know, at least feel like you're not going to fall anywhere. And so, uh, so I went that route and I was like, well, I'm just going to sit like at one of the top or top, benches like right right there so i sat down and then watched the troop of people come in and they sat like lower and i was like ah but i mean yeah ultimately it's good for leaving but it really i would never want to sit that high again to be honest because it's raining and cold oh yeah because you're you're done like i had a hoodie at least because if i didn't have that no no chance but it was like it got cold it rained the game was like at a tie, it went to an overtime period. It was nuts. <laughs> it was nuts. What's 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 it like right now? It's pretty windy up there. My mom says. Yeah, and it's like, well, let me see. What's the what is the weather like? It's nice to check the weather when you're not actually in the weather. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me check our weather too. Since forty three degrees right now, rainy conditions mostly. And uh, I don't have the wind speed. Air quality says like 48, but I don't really know what that means. So, um, wait, air quality is 48? Yeah, it says feels like 38 outside. <laughs> uh, we are sitting at 44 degrees right now. Yeah, see, that's just too much. Like, with uh, current winds expected to get up to 22 miles per hour at some point. Mm. Yeah, see, that's epic. Epic wins. It's the cold season, you know? Go ahead and get your get your pumpkin spice and, you know, get your warm drinks and stuff, you know? It's time to bring well, we're at 53 over here with rain potential. 53 in Cali is like But nice. it feels like 41, they say right there. Ugh. I was yeah. I was telling I was telling my mom because she was asking me about the weather. I was having a conversation with her today, and she was like, "Well, what's it like down there?" And I was like, "Well, it's cold. It's very cold." Um, I didn't think it was that bad because it was like 60s and 70s, and then all of a sudden we're like in like low low 50s, low 40s. <laughs> it just yeah. changed. But it's, it's okay. Like I'm I'm ready for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's time. You know, it's, it's like, been hot for too long. It's like it's that's enough. Right. <laughs> exactly. So guess what, guys? Tonight's soft serve is vastly different and, and certainly changing. Um, 
I thought about you guys when I when I was coming up with this week's soft serve. Um, I know that you know y'all y'all have not maybe you well you've been you've been hearing the hype train. You're experiencing it of it may have been kind of on the low. But hey, guys, October has been a month of nostalgia. One last make doable is the McRib, said to be on the farewell. Said, said to be on the farewell tour. Uh, it's available on ten thirty one Halloween, right? So, you know, uh, are you guys riding the hype train? Are you guys gonna get that McRib sandwich? I mean, it's your last chance. I'm not a big McDonald's person. I did go get one of those happy meals ah, I uh, see. The, the, bucket, right? the halloween bucket yes i did mm. get uh did get the halloween bucket well okay i didn't get it the child the baby got it uh, <laughs> but i which, which character did you get we just got the ghost one ah mcboo yes um okay. so uh i heard that the mcgrib was this was it it's the farewell no tour no more no yeah. mods yeah which is which is, let's just be honest, it's just a marketing tool. Oh, yeah, you know. It's a farewell yeah, tour for it'll, now. It'll be back in a year. It, it'll be back like the When when We Were Young tour in Vegas, right? Like, oh, man, talk about <laughs> wins. Did you hear about that? Talk about wins. Yeah, and I was like, um, everybody was uh, comparing it to the uh, the Fire Festival. I don't know if you remember the, um, who was that? Um, who was on for that? I forgot what rapper was in charge of that one. Oh, and, um, uh, that's not the World one that Travis Scott. Is no, in. no, okay, no. Okay. That one was, I think, in like 2016. Anyways, cool. Fire Fest, it was like on an island. Mm, and um, everybody flew to an island. And then, like, nobody showed up. And they didn't have proper, like, uh, bathrooms, proper, like, living that was quarters. Like almost, yeah, that was like a minute ago. Um. I'll have to look it up. I want to say it, was, it wasn't ludicrous, but I think it was. Um, anyways, uh, so everybody was comparing it to that, and um, that wasn't the case. It was supposed to be really, really bad. Like the air quality was going to be really bad from the winds because they were supposed to hit like fifty mile per hour, or sixty mile per hour winds. Um, and it was the um, uh, fire department or the police department that said that the air quality would have been too bad for performers and goers so that's why they shut down the first day yeah it was interesting i watched um <clears throat> i watched um so i, I wear a Wasn't lot of jaw rule jaw rule yes yeah yeah jaw. got it right here okay yeah, okay there, there's he a documentary in, well yeah the whole i think the whole thing also that was the one where like it was basically like a fake festival because yes. like and all of the things that people purchase none of it was available like oh. the campsites weren't ready. There was no water, no food, like no toilets. <laughs> so total and scam. Oh, he got I sued. See. Yeah, he got sued for. Um, he was found oh, he guilty. Went to he went to prison. Yeah, for that. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I got you. Because you know when the when we were young graphic came out, there were it was really memeable, right? Like yes. everyone was creating a version of the graphic, and it had like I don't know, bands, snacks, chips, candy, like just. Whatever it was, right? There was just very memeable. So I didn't really think it was a real concert either until like Live Nation was up on it. And then it was like, boom, here it is. Like all these bands. It was basically Warp Tour, like essentially. Yeah, like it was like it was one just, day of Warp Tour. It was just Warp Tour, but um, for 
for like several years. For people who were mildly depressed in their middle school. <laughs> All the emo kids. Yeah. You yeah. know, what's crazy is um, so I wear a lot of violent gentlemen, hockey gear, uh, hockey club uh, branding clothes and like uh, or a clothing line. And they their their guys went out and vlogged the weekend. And so I got to kind of see a little bit of of the concert and, and whatnot through their eyes, if you will. And, uh, you know, I guess for this, I guess it happened on the second day. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's still kind of windy, but I, apparently people went and chilled and, you know, I mean, some of the stuff I saw was like, man, I wish I would have had a VIP wristband for something like that. Cause they had access to the backstage. Well, no, no, no. Take it back. VIP didn't have access to the backstage, but they, they, one of their guys managed a lot of those bands back in the day. And so they had some real good access as far as, you know, lounging in the, in the green room areas, sleeping on the little couches, like, you know, like walking in places where you don't have droves of people. So, you know, and I, I remember having that sort of access when I work with bands too. It was nice. Like it, you get, can get in and out of things a little bit quicker. Um, yeah, so that's that concert definitely, you know. I mean, I heard that they tried to do some cool things to honor people through that weekend. Like they were like some of the bands were throwing free shows and secret locations. I guess the, the band Kitty had a free show somewhere and um one of the malls did like an emo night, but apparently it was so sold out like in the mall that like it was like two people in, two people out, like one of those kind of situations. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Um Back to that McRib though, I uh, <clears throat> I haven't had the McRib but like maybe once or twice, and that was probably closer to when it first came out. Yes, I think that's the last time that I had the McRib. I'm not a big McDonald's person, so <laughs> that's what you say. That's what you say. Not either. Yeah, I tend to get food poisoning a lot from McDonald's. What? Yes. Yeah, it never. You, you know, get food it... poisoning on food that doesn't mold. Exactly. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't um, hit right. It's like I will literally when feel it's hot. It hits great. right. It doesn't. It doesn't sit in my stomach well. Exactly. Those fries, though, man, golden and buttery. You know, I'm, and you know, it sucks is because I'm a big fan of McDonald's breakfast. Okay. Not like lunch, but like it's so could, hard for me to stomach break the breakfast. On the breakfast, though, what do you get? Uh, egg McMuffin. Okay, I gotta ask you a critical question. Okay. What do you put on the sandwich? If your condiments wise. To me, I think there's only one real answer to this question. I, I put nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you did not answer the question. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I think most of us don't put anything. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't put anything. You gotta on the put grape jelly, McMuffin. grape jelly on the egg McMuffin. But you, See, that is not the answer. But you I was get thinking. you get the McGriddle though. <laughs> you could do that with that too. That's that's what normally what you get is the McGriddle. Yeah, you put that on there, and you could put, you it, put it on the, the, the sausage. If I'm doing the McGriddle, if I'm doing the McGriddle, I'm putting some syrup. Okay, I mean, that's a messy sandwich if you're driving with it. Okay, yeah, so that's a good, I mean, that's a fair point. <laughs> McDonald's is is best hot. But if if I'm driving somewhere, um, and breakfast is what I'm grabbing, uh, uh -huh. Breakfast burritos, like any true New Mexican, yes. is probably what I'm Okay, doing. okay, fair enough, fair enough. Breakfast burritos, where it's at. Mm -hmm. We have okay. a we have a place down here that is in our um. It's essentially our allsups down here. Okay. Um, we, have, we have pick quick which burritos. I've never been to ever. Oh no. Um, 
<laughs> Fifteen Wait, years. What is the name of this place again? Oh no! Uh, it was it was Pickwick, but now they got bought out by Circle K. So now Circle K owns them, but they kept the, the gas uh, station. Yes. You guys have those out there? A Pickwick? Uh, Circle K. Circle K. Yeah, Circle K's, Yes. Oh wow! Cool. Okay, that's familiar. <laughs> um, but they kept the uh the restaurant inside. It's uh, called Santa Fe Grill. Oh, okay. okay. And they they have a whole slew. That's your uh vocab your major vocabulary word for the day. Slew. Slew. <laughs> it's like oh. sleet, but it's slew. Yes. Uh <laughs> um there's a whole slew of uh burritos. They have they're all named after different things. There's the Aggie, there's um they have the medicine man, they have the Hulk. It's all kinds of stuff. But their burritos are Mwah. Mm, okay, it's a chef's kiss, huh? Mm. Love it, so, love it. So, Patrick, how far are you from Albuquerque again? I'm about okay. It depends on who's asking. Um, if it's my mom, <laughs> if, if it's, it's my sheriff. mom, like, I'm, I'm about say, three and a half let's hours. Let's say we wanted to hop in the car and get a burrito. Uh, like, if it's my mom asking, it's it's about three and a half hours to drive for me because you drive slower. Because yeah, because I drive below the speed limit. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's about three I drive hours. Way above the speed limit. It's about three. It's about three hours. Three hours from, from where I live. From where I live, yeah, about three hours. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see that night when we went to El Paso for the New Mexico United game, and then got on a bus and drove straight back. Like, <laughs> did like I think the only stop we made was the Dion's right there on the off the freeway. Yeah, like right, like all up. Up Loman, up the main street. Yeah, like right Loman. between like El Paso and the Las Cruces, like literally like right there. It was yeah. like the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean it was like such a quick trip. It was there I mean, back. The, the tacos on the stop there were good. So so you remember so I don't know if you remember going through. So there's Anthony, Texas and Anthony, New Mexico. Yeah. I, I teach in Anthony, New Mexico. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I have a choice. So that's so that's the halfway point. It's okay. kind of funny. That is funny, actually. Um, so, guys, like... So, so really fast? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I've never had a uh, McRib. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, it's... it's never a, had one in my life. It's a hype train. I think when they first came out, everybody was like, this looks okay. Okay, and but so do you remember... I, I remember having had those. It's like shaped meat, right? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, like, but I mean, like, high schools serve, like, rib... like riblet type yeah, sandwiches that. what's that i never ate stuff like that yeah like i remember my grade school served a pseudo mcrib sandwich and it was like so bomb it was just like meat with sauce <laughs> and now i think it became such a hype thing that everybody like wants a piece of it and so yeah. that's why you can't ever get because i remember last year like there was a big old thing that they had sold out like in the first day and everybody was like the heck i mean it's just you know it's like when popeyes came out with the chicken sandwich right and that in albuquerque there's, in albuquerque there's two popeyes right one's oh, on right. one's on base and then one is like san mateo uh, or whatever on on san mateo next to my alma mater el dorado uh del norte oh you're right no you know what you are right i was i i should have said del norte because that is exactly what i saw in my mind but el dorado came out for some reason <laughs> um and so i remember we were we were in town the weekend that it had come out and uh i remember stopping like i was like i love popeyes i i if you know me i 
will do anything for Popeyes. Um, so um, I was like, oh, let's get Popeyes on our way out. And the line was like past like the light. People were around like, the corner. Yeah, it was ugly. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'll settle for Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Well, so speaking of chicken places, since you brought it fair and we're talking nostalgia, and I guess this isn't really nostalgia, but this is chicken. chicken. So uh, Raising Cane's, the construction build on the chicken spot. No, you can't. Why? How? What? No, the chicken is so bomb. And the Caniac sauce is Y'all don't know what good chicken is. No, Cane's is... I love it, man. Oh my gosh. That's like one of the reasons to like go to El Paso. So, <laughs> it's so him, and my, him and my brothers yes. swear on raisin canes. Yeah, everybody like, down love, here. And, and they're looking forward to taking him to raisin canes. Chicken's crispy. Caniac <laughs> sauce. Lots of that. The Texas toast inside. I mean, you can get a jug of lemonade. I mean, I know you can get a jug of lemonade almost anywhere, but like, I mean, and sweet tea. I will give it, their sweet tea is pretty good. Their sweet tea and yeah. their lemonade is actually pretty good. Yeah, they. Oh man, it. I messed up and I didn't put the lemonade in the fridge one time. I had it sitting on my coffee table. I thought, ah, it's lemonade; it'll be fine. Like maybe three or four days after, like you know, because I, like I left it out like a day or two, I should say, and then I just started hearing this. <laughs> I was like, what is that sound? You know, and I looked over, the lemonade was like bulging. I was like, oh my God, dude, this lemonade is probably so acidic right now. Like, it's probably going to explode. I opened it to take a taste and it was so sharp. I was like, oh my God, this lemonade can go bad. Then I get that super funny. I get that phone call like, is is it still safe to consume this? (laughs) I'm like, no. I really didn't want to lose that. Probably throw it away. I mean, I'm it gonna be so, the one to taste so that. About it. It's so funny that we're talking about the about fried chicken because one of my classes we had like an argument about this that my kids uh, swear upon raising canes too. Crunchy. And I'm like, nope. We gotta educate. Nope. We gotta educate. I had, I did, I did my job eloquently. Crunchy um, though. What's the best chicken place? Popeyes. Of all, you think Popeyes? Popeyes. Even against KFC. Hundred percent. No. KFC is horrible. KFC is on the bottom of my list. Yeah. Do you KFC remember when you could buy the bucket, though? True. I mean, you could mm-hmm. still, but it's... I, I'll put it this way. I'd rather have Canes before I had KFC. And I, yeah, don't, same here. Ever, and I don't ever eat Canes. Right. So, you know, we're just... The next time we... we the next episode, we're going to just do the chicken war, right? Like, we're just going to literally, like, have all the chicken places, and we're going to do... We're going to have a blind ballot. Okay, I'm telling though, you. If you guys... Popeyes if you guys want to get some <clears throat> some legit like chicken, like like this will be your life changing fried chicken. There's a place called, and I don't know if there's any. Uh, I know there's not any in New Mexico, and I'm trying to think of. I know there's there's one in Vegas, I believe, but it's a place called Honey Kettle, and heard. that chicken is like. So they use like this. Uh, they have a special recipe, family recipe, where they use like this family style pancake batter that they dip the uh, chicken in Mm. and then they fry that and it gives you this like unbelievably like crispy exterior and the chicken on the inside is like so moist this chicken looks look at it delicious Right? Okay, wait. I gotta go do it too. Is it was it called? I had to. I had to look Honey it up. Kettle. Chicken looks good. Honey kettle. It's, no, it's you will you will weep. That's how good that chicken is. Okay, let's see. 
Let's see. Oh yes. Look, look at the beautiful chicken. <laughs> the pro oh, okay, wow, that biscuit looks like real dope. Oh yeah, see that biscuit looks mm. it all it's looks all, all I've literally glazed. had everything oh, there at all this right. point. Look at that. I can chicken. legit oh, vouch for gosh. everything there. And the drinks. They have Dang. like this guava lemonade thing. That bun though is like a little small for that chicken. I'm not gonna lie. Are you looking oh, for no, a little no, video you, with the lemons rolling around in it? You don't need the bun. Damn, look at that honey just drizzling. Like they literally got a biscuits on the plate and they got like that giant like thing of honey just chilling. They've got and chicken you can and do, pancakes. You can do a chicken and pancake. Thank what? You. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. That Dude, is so good. So good. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, it looks this little video is enticing. Let me go to the menu it's here. So All right. Time to go to DoorDash. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, hey, um, how much would this cost? Can you imagine if they do like a, they have a version of DoorDash where it's like, yeah, we totally drive over states too. Like, if, you know. If like it was it, close enough, I feel like. Um, actually, it does work out because um, being part of Anthony, New Mexico and Anthony, Texas, uh, as long as it's close enough and they deliver uh, that the driver is willing to, they will uh, cross from. Oh, line. nice! Oh, wow, that's crazy. Nice. Uh, but most stuff you can go one way or the other. Okay, where are these things at? Let me look at locations. Well, there was only a... two that they're in L.A. and Culver. They're in L.A. Yeah. Oh dang, dude. Well, I mean, like I said, I'll be out I guess in next Cali. Week. Maybe Christmas time, I'll be able to like experience this. Uh, Gold Cup 2025. Uh, we can definitely visit. Is that SoFi Stadium? 2026. Or 20, 20, no, 2025, 2025 or 2026? 2026. I'm amassing a group of people if you want to join my group. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no lie. Like it's, I that wanna... so, it's at SoFi, right? That's what it was announced? It, well, there's, yeah, there's, it's the going to go be San SoFi? Fran, LA, okay. um, Texas. Uh, there's like six six states in the United States that are going to host a match or two. Oh, that's right. That's and right. Mexico DFA. If we want to get international, we that would be fun too. Oh, interesting. So oh, no, they announced uh Gold Cup for 2023 SoFi Stadium next summer. Mm, okay. I'm thinking World Cup. You are. You are. <laughs> thinking you are World thinking Cup. World Cup, yes. But anyways, um, I am amassing a group of people that want to go to World Cup, so I also am amassing a group of World Cup. Are you? Maybe we should amass our groups together. I we'll have to amass like our amass groups together and form Voltron. <laughs> we we will create the super. Like I want to have jerseys for us. Like I want to do the whole thing. Oh, okay. That's dope. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty sick. So we've we've learned about Honey's kettle. Um, that Honey is kettle very chicken. good. I am not a fan of learning about places that I cannot get to in twenty four hours, though. <laughs> you know, guys. Tell tell you what I will do for us. Next week, I will drive out, get some honey kettle chicken. And you'll eat it on the podcast. I will eat it on the podcast. Okay, see, that works. That... And you guys can live through me. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I had this thought, though, right? So as soon as as soon as soon no November hits, man, like I know some people do like No Shave November and they do Movember and all that. And I've done those before and it's too cold. <laughs> it's too cold. <laughs> It's too cold to be doing those, right? Like I've done where you don't shave your mustache. <laughs> and I, and I, I got to find the, the pictures. Maybe I'll do that for the next episode. And I have done the no shave November where you shave your head. I think I shaved my head and my face. 
So it was just like I was like a baby. And then like it just didn't grow back fast enough for my pleasing. But I'll tell you what, with all this nostalgia for Mickey D's, I think November is going to be no nostalgia November for me. So I think like, oh, yeah. So I don't I don't care what McDonald's throws at me like someone else is eating it. (laughs) Well, you do. To be fair, it is on Halloween. So if you get it on Halloween, you're still in October. So you can still vibe with the nostalgia for at least the just the rest of that at least the seven hours or so yeah yeah like no nostalgia in food or anything else that just means that anything that like takes me back to like 19 like 1990s or to the early 2000s like i would like pass on this does not mean that when i go to november when i go home for like thanksgiving and i want to have in and out that's not nostalgia that's like current times right (laughs) so like I'm only talking about I'm not going to get sucked into like any like like food from food trends from like the so 80s. No, like Limp Bizkit box sets and stuff like that? No, 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 no. I'm buying that. That comes out on the 28th. Okay. That's tomorrow. That's the, the new Limp Bizkit album that's right. or the first pressing in 20 years. I'm simply saying that I would probably not get hooked into any food nostalgia. Me and McDonald's are breaking out, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> need to get back to like making my own McDonald's, McDougal's. I need to make my stuff from here at the house. Those, and, uh, uh, those memes where it's like, tenemos McDonald's in la casa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we have McDonald's. We have McDonald's at home. I have a funny story about that. Like a long time ago, one of our aunts, one of our tias actually did that. She was like, we were all wanted like McDonald's, right? And she goes, I know casa tenemos McDonald's. And she goes, at the house we have McDonald's. And we're all like, what? So she pulls out, I don't know, you might be familiar, Patrick, with those like Mexican chicken nuggets. Yes. From the Mexican store? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Auntie <laughs> served up for us. Didn't go well with they're us. Not, they're not, they're uh... not. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys got to You got to clue me in here. What's going on? What, what is uh, this? Let's well, just say I would rather have. Picture. Chicken, I sent you a picture of it. But in in Mexican stores, they sell shigenagas. <laughs> That's all of our friends <laughs> yeah, say. Exactly. They go shigenagas. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's so it's like it's like a pseudo version, right? It's, yes. It's yeah, it's like the ninety-nine cent story version of chicken nuggets. I, oh, okay. I got yeah, you. well look at your phone. I had sent you a picture a while ago when I when I saw them at the Mexican store like a few months ago. Mm, that okay. that was nostalgic for me. I was like, I just remember that day. I was like, wait, those are not in all of us. We were like little, we were like, Isn't those on chicken nuggets? <laughs> that's too good. I mean, we can go all day long about imitation food. There's so much of it out there that's like where it's like a step down from like the real deal. But I, I don't you, when you both agree, like we have come far too long in a society to be getting food that doesn't look like the picture still. Do you know the amount of stuff that they, the amount of time that they put into those pictures or those mm-hmm. uh, commercials for food is? The bread bounces on the chicken. Yeah. Well, it's not even using car food, oil instead using... of syrup. Yeah. Have you seen that? It's not real food. They yeah. they create molds of these things and they so they make them like video editing and they there's a whole like Instagram page about it. 
I'll find it. It's pretty well. Cool. <laughs> while we're talking about things that aren't real, let's talk about something that is real. Patrick, you and I kicking off this week's segment of the Enchanted Eleven. <laughs> right. So it's been some time. I know Patrick, you were off last week, um, doing the homecoming and uh, duties and whatnot. But we're back with another edition of the Enchanted Eleven, uh, still the ongoing pilot show um, this year. Got to give a shout out to Carl out in Utah now. Um, got that new jobby job. Congrats to you on that. But uh, got to give a shout out to Carl um, as he has been listening to the Enchanted Eleven faithfully um, as it's been coming out. Um, so this week's uh, thing, Patrick, um, let's just kind of go rundown as far as each school what's going on with them i'll start it off with uh or actually you'll start it off with highlands uh yes highlands has uh completed their season um there um won't be any postseason hopes for for them uh they finish the uh season at one and 11 in conference and then one and 15 uh at overall um so um let's talk about that Let's let's talk about their season a little bit. Like when we went into the beginning, <clears throat> like remember some of the storylines, we wondered if maybe Highlands would be kind of like a sleeper, if they would surprise some teams. And I know like maybe in some ways I think that they did still show teams what they're about with that uh crazy offside trap that they had. I think they showed a lot of um, the team is fairly young, so lots of juniors, lots of or sorry, not juniors, lots of freshmen, lots of sophomores. Um, there they have. I, mean, I need to go back. Uh, one, two, three, three seniors, four seniors, and then five senior, five seniors, and then they're sticking with. Ooh, let's count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen underclassmen. So freshmen and sophomores. So um I might have counted wrong, but that's that's a pretty young team, and the majority of them are are freshmen. So um I think for a lot of those girls, it's definitely looking at um, uh, the the future and kind of the steps forward. I think they learned a lot from this year, uh, or or at least I I think that they did. I would say that I hope that they did. Um, you take a lot from this year and you go and say, hey, this is um, the uh, the pieces that we're missing, the pieces that we need to work on. Um, I think a lot of it has to go with uh, uh, finding new opportunities to score and putting yourself on the score sheet. There's a lot of games where you go without goals, and that can probably be a little bit of frustration too. But I think the defense looks like it's pretty shored up. I think they've bought into um, kind of the personality that Bianca um, uh, has set forth for set forth for them. Um, uh, um uh coach Contreras and her staff uh seem like they're doing a good job and I liked I like seeing that they're pretty young so you can really um 
see what's set up next for them. I think I w- we were a little bit more surprised that they didn't get on the score sheet more often, but um, a lot to learn from. Sometimes you have to take the knocks to learn a little bit. So, Yeah, right on. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about these programs too. I mean, being Division II schools and – and, you know, this is my first time getting to watch Highlands, you know, and really, like, really tuning in beyond just, like, watching, like, the the Lobos. And so getting to see, you know, different different colleges, you know, within the state and kind of what that looks like. And I, I think it would be really awesome to be able to see a team like this right now where, okay, in the previous year, you know, we know how they finish. And then this year they go 1-11, and 1-15. and 15. They have a like to me. That's a starting point with us, right? Like we watch this, we know what some of their strengths were. We know that it was just you know at times it was just hard to get in the box, get scores. But I mean, things are going to change, right? I mean, they can us they can evaluate the season and determine what they need, right? They can obviously figure out how to make the team more of a, a scoring threat. And so um, I'm excited, but I mean, like I. I, I definitely enjoyed watching their games regardless, you know what I mean, of results just because, like, you know, you just never knew when it was going to come. And then get, eventually we saw that win, and it was just like, you know, I'm sure I'm sure, on so many levels, you know, so many other, other, other games are so close to, you know what I'm saying? So, And I think, um, I think for, uh, for them um, – what I liked, what I saw when I saw on their social media pages is that the girls were, or that they were into the process of what was going on, but there were still points in time where um, they were making TikToks and, and having a good time and still remembering the, that. Um, and I think for a lot of us, especially those that play, <laughs> for the people that play Sunday League, this is the shout out for you, that this is still just a game uh, at the end of the day um and that um like yes winning is fun but uh but you still need to remember that having fun is a priority within the game even it doesn't matter at what i don't think it doesn't matter at what level you're at if you can't have fun then i don't think you'll truly understand what it means to play like free and confident so um it looked like that's what uh was kind of uh relayed and it looks like the girls will be set up at least highlands the cowgirls will be set up pretty good for next year nice well and i'm gonna drop us a little bit more about like eastern new mexico um currently they're two seven and two in conference uh sitting at four ten and two overall uh their final match is uh friday against university of texas tyler um so with this this school obviously it's been nice to watch uh, the Greyhounds watch uh, head coach Eric Belcher essentially step in on a program that um, I'd say in previous years, you know, obviously, you know, had somewhat somewhat of a winning culture. I think for the most part, they've always kind of been like a middle of the table team. And I think that, you know, um, he, he, you know, he, he has come in and imposed a new, a new method of philosophy. I, I think that for the most part in, in what I've observed, from his coaching or at least his, his Twitter presence is he just really seems very, um, very mellow about it. Like, obviously he wants to win and he, um, you know, he just has to kind of go in right with like, Hey, this is a first year. Like, you know, we kind of need to see where, where this program's at. I mean, he's got, 
six seniors on the squad this year. Uh, and he's got maybe like about maybe about three or four juniors. So essentially like the seniors, if they're in their last year playing, will will, you know, will will go on to the rest of life for the, themselves, whatever is next in life. And and then I mean through the season I have seen that he's had some commits, you know, for the upcoming classes that I guess is pretty exciting. I'd really love to dig a little deeper into those. Um, we still obviously uh, do plan to have him on um, the show. I've tried to do an interview with him. Uh, probably obviously he's going to seem like it's going to be after the season is over, but it'll still be good to kind of just have him on and really um, just, you know, learn more about him and pick his brain on what the season was like. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, and, and kind of get a little bit more familiar with his, his coaching from previous places, but um Greyhounds didn't do too bad. I mean, I thought that, you know, that they showed quite a bit of poise and threat at times. Um, they are a very physical team is what I saw. And, I mean, they had some absolute standout players um, from, you know, those that were wingers to players that could just really kind of get in there and grind. Um, so... It, it has been really awesome to watch Eastern New Mexico as well. And I mean, one of the things like I really do want to do is certainly try to get out to Portales next season. Um, obviously things just kind of crept up this year, but you know, I mean, cause it was like college soccer started and I was like, Hey, let's start a show. And Patrick's like, I want to get in on that conversation. <laughs> it just all kind of happened. So instant, but we'd have more time to kind of plan. But, um, that's kind of what I really liked about Greyhounds is that they just never gave up, you know, and where, where they won, they won big and wherever they lost, it was still a fight to the end. And along the lines of team camaraderie, man, whenever it's someone's birthday, they got cake and their Twitter has a lot of cake on it. Patrick. Yes. So you and him, uh, and UNM was playing tonight. The Lobos were playing San Diego State tonight. Uh, they were playing for a chance to, ultimately, if you're the Lobos, uh, to win the Mountain Conference um, regular season title. And if you were San Diego State, you were playing to try to get a piece of that or to get yourself in a good position for the Mountain West tournament that's coming up. Um, so... They played to a nil-nil draw tonight. That was the result. Um, like we were kind of alluding to at the top of the hour or the top of the pod, it was a very wind-chilling night. I have already sat through one of those. I totally know that it was, um, and I believe it. And the football coach bought a lot of hot chocolate and coffee for everyone who went to really kind of pick up the attendance. So, um, And ultimately, uh, with the draw, uh, the Lobos – have a share of the Mountain West title. I want to see, uh, Patrick, if you can look up the standings on the Mountain West Conference page to see if they've updated um, what it looks like now as far as how the point totals are. But I, when I last looked at it, Wyoming had 20 points. The Lobos were sitting with 19, so Lobos would be at 20 at this point. So at least Wyoming and, and the Lobos would be sitting with 20 points. And I believe San Jose State, was playing Fresno State, and if San Jose State won, they would be also potentially sitting with 20 points. So um, right now, 
They okay. are 20 points apiece for the three of San Jose State, UNM, and uh, Wyoming. Okay. Yeah, and I know that Wyoming had the win. Did they have the win or the draw over the Lobos? They have a win? Let me double check. I got you. Hold on. Okay. Um, so I know that, like, to see that that share of the Mountain West title will be interesting when it comes to like the seeding of the tournament. But it was a one-one draw. Okay. Same with San Jose State was a one-one draw. As far as the Lobos. Yeah. Okay, and then head to head with each other. I mean, I guess if they drew each other, then it's me look for that game. Okay. So, nonetheless. Nonetheless, um, Mountain West turn Mount, Mountain West play has been very competitive this year. The Lobos didn't necessarily just walk away with it, but you know, again, as we talked in the previous weeks, you know, there's so much more going on besides just soccer. There's obviously life, and you know, and going to classes and everything for the students. So, I mean, for them to be able to really uh, still come out and compete and put together a year, and, and I mean, gosh, a weeks weeks ago, Patrick, we talked. It seemed like the Lobos were. We're sitting in the middle of the table. We were talking about what if they don't win critical games, and here they are sitting at the top. Um, so that that just goes to show you how things can change over the matter of weeks. Uh, Wyoming won two to one over San Jose State. Okay, last week. So I mean, really, like when it comes down to it, I mean, like I guess there's that head to head between the two. But if Lobos are drawn with them, it's they're all probably still looking at a share. Uh, it looks like it will be a share. How many are playing at six? Six in the tournament. The number one and two seed have, I believe, a first round bye. Bye. And then so, the yeah. The way it's, the way it looks like it's gonna pan out is Wyoming and UNM will get the bye because of the Wyoming win over. San because Jose. of the Wyoming win over San Jose State. Okay. I want to say. Um, that makes sense. I don't know what their thing looks like. But Is it your PPG or anything? Other weird tiebreakers? It looks like... it's Okay, so it, for at least from detail, um, UNM, San Jose State, and Wyoming should be locked into... Uh, or are locked, sorry. They are locked. Um I just don't know if Boise State is going to get in above Colorado College because on the standings on the Mountain West, it has Colorado College at the sixth seed um, and Boise State at the seven, but they are tied at 16 points. So I was going to go look at their, um, their games, but I think Colorado College had beaten Boise State, so... I think that was why they were above. Yeah. The Mountain West tournament is going to be interesting. I'm glad that it's being hosted here in Albuquerque. That all because of Lobos winning it last year. Um, zero, zero draw. Yeah. So that's a huge, that's a huge advantage for the Lobos playing on your home field. Um, and again, if they're one of the one, they're the one or two seed, I mean, they're already looking at it by the first one so they can, essentially go out and watch who they would play, right? Like at the after the first day. 
And then, so, you know, the number one and two seed only have to play two matches, which is so ideal. So it looks like stupid Twitter doesn't have, (laughs) it doesn't have me logged in on my computer. Um, The Mountain West's uh, Twitter page tweeted out that it was just a co-share between um, UNM and Wyoming. Oh, okay. So I'm just kind of looking. Because Wyoming claims a share. UNM claims a share. But it doesn't say anything about... Um, about San Diego State. So... Yeah, I saw the the tweets. It's like Wyoming's got a share. Oh, San Jose State does have a share. They right. Do. I just wonder how they're going to seed the tournament. That's all. Uh, I was looking for the final standings. Oh yes, Colorado College is in. And Boise, okay. And Boise State is not. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's crazy how things can can go, you know. If if UNM won, they would have won outright. They would have out. Yeah, they would have won outright. Crazy how the final day can go. So. So we'll we'll keep it tuned to that. Um, you you lastly, you want to tell us what's going on with uh, New Mexico State. Uh yeah, New Mexico State beat that team in Phoenix. Um, <laughs> are they are they in Phoenix or are they in Chandler? Yes, it was in Phoenix. Okay. So, um, I'm I'm doing the little blah, 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 face. Um, so that is I I had that game circled for NMSU, um, being the game that you probably need to win, especially with, um. Uh, with everything that kind of panned out in the rest of the season. So um, that's a pretty big win for them. They've still got two more, I believe, to go. Um, So uh, still a little bit uh, of time. Oh, sorry, one more to go. Cal Baptist on Saturday. Um, Yeah, boom, Riverside. I was thinking about that. I was like, yo, uh, Veronica, are you going to go to that game? uh, Cal Baptist on Saturday. What, What time? Uh, kickoff is set for 8 p.m. Oh, on Saturday? On Saturday. I actually could go to that game. Yeah, you might be able to catch both New Mexico All right. teams. All right. And I believe with that win, uh, I want to say, so Utah Valley, Seattle U, and Utah Tech, I believe, are in, and I think with and with with um, with states win tonight, they are also in mm, okay. um, into the WAC championship. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting to see the way that schedule worked out because pretty much the teams that are sitting above them are teams that they played with, and it seems yes, like they got the the result was like how they ended up a, a top on top of them. So um, it looks like 
it looks, I believe, actually Utah Valley, with one game to go, um, could still not win uh, the champ, uh, win the championship, uh, win the WAC championship, or at least the regular season. Uh, they're sitting at 25 points. Seattle's sitting at 23. Uh, but both of them uh, are locked into uh, the uh, into the tournament, and I want to say I was trying to find their um, their seedings so I could figure out for sure because um, that's why I was trying to see if it was the top six, which I believe it is, which means which would put uh, New Mexico State as a lock into uh, the WAC tournament. With today's, okay. with today's win. Nice. Yeah, it'll be... We'll have to keep tuning on. Uh, that should be good, though. I mean, I was having this thought the other day. I, I really do hope that we do get to see a return of UNM and New Mexico State playing each other. Hopefully that becomes like something that they do next year, like another exhibition game. Or non-conference, you know? Or non-conference. I think next year, I think the way that both programs look... Um, I mean, that would be a big... That would be a big time win for New Mexico State being a conference <laughs> champion. So, oh man, look at that! Oh already, hey, that's, already. that's right. I, well, because you know, I'd love to see all four New Mexico teams play each other, like some sort of a like a informal cup of some series. I'd be. Sweet. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. Remember, I said there's the there's the wheel. Grand yeah. Canyon beat UNM. NMSU beat Grand Canyon, therefore NMSU is better than UNM. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that lateral logic. I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so that's that's kind of the the standings locking in a little bit. And as we as you've been listening over time, you know, we've been trying to really develop uh, the Enchanted 11. We've been trying to do more with, like, the, the stat sheets and whatnot. We... We are making progress on on it, which is really great, actually, uh, considering that just so many of these uh, ladies just doing awesome things. Um, and so currently, you know, we're really focused on just trying to develop like an all time Enchanted Eleven. And I don't know, Patrick, like you know, if you're as you're kind of seeing like some of the stats on there. I mean, uh, as far as the different players between like goal scoring opportunities, goal winners, assist shots, things like that. Um, what, what do you like, what overall thought do you make sense of the data thus far? Uh, I, we were kind of talking this off stream and it's, uh, for at least for the two division two schools. Um, it's areas where we kind of, I don't want to say expected because we kind of expected to see some more, I guess, out of both of them. But um, it the the stats kind of show, hey, they're in that right direction, at least, of where we're looking at. Like, I um, can't remember her. I'm trying to open up the thing because I guess I closed it. Um, but uh, where is it? Uh, there was a player for um, for Highlands that had seven shots recorded right. and yeah. seven shots on goal recorded. Right. So, hey, that's – I mean, you're not scoring, but that's what we're looking – that's kind of like as I think 
as somebody that's look on the outside, like looking in, uh, at, like for Highlands, right? That we're saying for next year uh, should be a really good year for them. Um, moving forward, a stat like that is something that's like, okay, you now you have you have a shooter. Now how we can, how can we finish? How can we how can we have translated those seven shots on goal into seven goals? So yeah, I think it really speaks a lot to like, I mean, not having sixty nine shots, right? Right. Like Jaden Edwards has sixty nine, but then take like. Uh, Katie Rayner, who's got 14 shots. And you're like, oh, that's vastly different, right? And they could have played in the same amount of games, right? But the schools that maybe that Highlands is playing against, very defensive towards them, not a lot of opportunity to get those shots in there. You know, maybe the schools that Jaden played against, if you remember, there's so much time where most schools' mission was probably just to not let Jaden score. Right. You know, so she's getting whatever she can get. So she got 69 shots on the year and managed to get half of those shots as on target and only score eight goals with four assists. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, let that one sink in. And so, and so, like, and that's what I was kind of thinking about the the Highlands uh, uh, stats that I was looking at is that a lot of these forwards that you ha- have won the forwards and midfielders are recording actually a lot of shots, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what kind of surprised me is that they're sitting a little bit above the 50% average on shots on goal. So they're making their shots count. It just sometimes they just don't go in or there's a big save right. or you know whatever it may be, but 7 for 7 shots on 7 shots equates to 7 shots on goal is a is that's the 100% shooting rate, right, on target. That's yeah. 100% shooting on target, right? And then you're looking at 17 and 9 by uh, Melissa Oliveris. Um, and then, like you said, Katie Renner is, had 14 shots, and ha- literally half of them are on target. Right. That's a step in the direction that you want to see. And uh, let's keep in mind that the th- the three girls, um, or the few that I had put on the sheet, right? Katie Rayner, Celeste Dominguez, Melissa Oliveris, Haley uh, Arviso, and Jenny Mueller. Three of them are freshmen. So that's like I was saying, young, bright future for Highlands, and it shows in the stats. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm what I, what I am most excited about just as far as us like doing this is that. Um, we're taking it off of necessarily just the stat sheets that they that they live on on the on each school's website where maybe in the midst of just looking at their conference maybe they don't stand out as much right maybe they don't get as much shine but for us we're just so we're, we're super focused on d1 and d2 uh women's soccer in new mexico as far as college goes they were able to kind of call out the data a little bit more and Respectively, I think, like by separating it as D1 and D2, then I think it does allow us to really kind of, like, kind of pinpoint more um, the ladies at the institutions. I think that if we only really had all the data in one pool and we're like, oh, we're just going to only compare, like, you know, all the schools against each other, then it, it would be so easy to see how the D1 schools might just overshadow in all the categories because, you know, it's like it's like two different types of ball being played, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna update this sheet too because 
I don't know if you updated this one, but uh, <clears throat> Bianca Chacon scored one, so that's nine instead of eight. Hey. Oh, wait. Sorry. That Actually, Loma McNeese did score tonight, too, so that is for nine for Loma McNeese, and that is five for Bianca Chacon. Gotta uh, update, got update the sheet. And um, she wasn't even, neither of those two were the heroes of tonight's game. Um, Who got the game winner, technically? Technically, it would have been Bianca Chacon. Yeah. But the young son hero, I'll let you take a guess. Zitali Hernandez. Uh, With the no. assists. McKenna Gottschalk had a career night in saves tonight. How many did she save? Double digits. Ooh, 12. I believe it was 10. Okay. I was thinking so, 10, but I went higher. Yes. I, she played out of her mind today, so hats off to you. Right on. Okay. McKenna. Okay. Thank you for making this Aggie alum proud. <laughs> Man, that's so awesome. And, and this has been great. It's been, you know, like I, I look forward to just, like I said, like as, as the, the, the coming weeks are with, you know, doing a few more editions of the Enchanted 11. I look forward to what we'll do in the off season with it. Um, you know, we're just can't wait for signing day. Ah, you're right. You're right. There's so signing much. Day will be interesting to look at. At least I think for the, yes, for the, for UNM and NMSU, obviously schools, you're going to get your transfers um, and your signings, but for two programs that do a lot of investing into New Mexican talent, it's going to be fun to look at who Highlands gets and who um, uh, Eastern gets and kind of see what they did in high school. Nice. And so much more to come up, really, too. I mean, we'll have to get a hold of these coaches. I mean, you know, I, I, I the sky's the limit for what we can do with this with this this um, this show that we're working on. So thanks for uh, listening in and then we'll uh, we'll keep it going. So switching back over to uh or switching over to rather um the weekly the new mexico united edition of our show the weekly um guys playoffs came and went like literally like poof right like they were here for the moment we talked so much in these weeks coming up guys i really want to just kind of get into some of the central themes about the playoff game and if you guys want to talk about anything in particular about the game, by all means, let's definitely play roulette. Let's jump around. Let's let's talk about the things. But the things that really stuck out to me, I think there were central themes, were time management, turnovers, and transition. Uh, time management, it seemed like what I put here in the notes is uh, 62 minutes for the first change. This is when Zach Prince decides to um, add Nico Brett to the to the game and change some things up a little bit. Um, this uh, also, I believe, came right after a score, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And um, in addition to that, uh, am I mistaken? No, I'm not. Well, it um, at the 46th, right? Right. It was like right into the second half, I believe. Like maybe... And then he took a piece of better out for Nico. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I said time management, Zach, Zach Prince making a change at 62 minutes is when they're down a score. 
um, but also turnovers. Um, 61% passing in the opponent's half, uh, 74% on the day. We know looking at these percentages that they don't seem very bad. They're probably very average at times, but when the passing that sticks out in your mind as I remember it was passing to the other team, like mm-hmm. a lot of the times and, and that resulting in, and lesser chances for New Mexico. I remember the passing to not be all that great. Um, 30% crossing accuracy. We only had 10 crosses versus um, Sacramento's 26. So we really weren't sending it up as much, but the last thing is transition. Like how quickly did Sac Sac Republic convert when they were in possession and transition versus, versus New Mexico? Like what were our setbacks? So those are just some of the things I kind of wanted to throw out there for a conversation and uh, wanted to get your guys' take on the game as well. Uh, I kind of thought that, uh, I don't know if the 62nd minute is a bad, a bad change. Um, I, I think it's, um, I think that was okay. I don't think that was too much of a concern for me. I think the biggest concern was, um, what you had said, the, the amount of passes that had gone, um, astray in the final third, like, um, you're setting up points to any time that you get into that final third, the, the point should to be get shots off. Right. And the one statistic that stood out to me is that if we were controlling about 51, 52% of the possession, and we're making good, like 61% passing in the opponent's half isn't the worst stat by any means, because, I mean, you've seen it any, anywhere else. The, the stat that gets me is two corner kicks to 10. Right. And you're not going to score every time from, from a corner kick, but set-piece opportunities for New Mexico United have proven to be a, a well-lit part. And that's not just this year. This has been years years prior, is that we've been really, really well when it comes to set-pieces because of the uh, tenacity and height that New Mexico United possesses. They're overwhel- overwhelmingly strong in the air. And if you can't use those tools, it, it just feels off-putting especially when in the first half it felt like we had sacramento uh on on their heels like the entire Mm -hmm. first half it just felt like they didn't know what they were doing um and then they start to finally finally settle in like the like what like the fat last five six minutes or so and that's when they score the goal um but it seemed like sacramento was just trying to like oh, let's just try and 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 spring um, somebody to score right. There's six offsides that are recorded for for New Mexico United or for sorry for Sacramento that um, United's like okay we'll be fine with you just trying to send a runner. We're gonna get them called offsides every single time, and we're just gonna try and pound and pound and pound and pound. But if you're not getting more pressure onto the uh, onto the keeper or onto that defense with set pieces like corners or other fouls, which it didn't seem like they came out a whole lot, that's going to be very difficult. And it doesn't help that Kiesvetter doesn't score the two sitters that are basically given to him in the first, what, 10 minutes. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, um, 
so like along those lines i was saying like the san diego lineup as i've been calling it right the the shift uh had another another shift in this game um this was the kisa vetter uh sergio rebus uh line if you will and uh and I, I just was like, well, do you think that Zach finally figured out something like, hey, maybe I shouldn't change what's working for me? I mean, because ever since San Diego, like there's been goals coming in, right? Three goals in that game. Then there was also, uh, what was it? Three goals, two goals, three goals, two goals. And the LA Galaxy game, I think it was three. Three goals. Right, and then two goals in the Colorado Springs game. So there was obviously something working for United, and I mean, gosh darn it, I'll be I'll be honest. Like I didn't like that it didn't include Weehan and Freighter. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's I don't know. I don't know why that lineup doesn't include Weehan or Freighter. Is there like something more to it though? I mean, like, I mean, I've I've pondered this over the season. Like, do we have too many? Like, do we have too many key starters or marquee players that they just don't play together? I mean, like, I, I'll liken it to basketball for a minute, or I guess we could look, we could liken it to basketball for reals for a minute. The Lakers are 0 and 4. Um, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. But, like, I mean, like, the Lakers are 0 and 4, and, <laughs> and it, it doesn't seem like, I mean, like, Westbrook is what Westbrook is doing weird things. I mean, and LeBron's doing what he's doing, AD's doing what he's doing, like, I mean, I'm sure they didn't expect to be like 0 and 4, and they're playing it off pretty well. But I mean, there's a lot of big names on that court for them not to be turning over results. Um, so I'm wondering for us with United, um, I mean, we already know that we're going to get Moreno back, <clears throat> we're going to get Weehan back, we're going to get Rivas back, we're going to, you know, like we already know we're getting them. We're going to probably have Nava back, like. Is there a point where we can have mm, six to six to eight marquee players on the pitch and really play some good football, as opposed to like two? I was looking for that tweet because there was one that um, United had said that. Something about their goal scorers, and I was trying to find it. Oh, that they had 14 different players find the back of the net this year. Nobody in double digits, but 14 players to find the back of the net is pretty good, if you ask me. That, that's spreading the love. But not to jump like too far ahead is that I think that's where you have to find the healthy balance of who's going to be in what. Because I, I agree, but... Um, I don't think Weehan wasn't on the injury report, right? And he he wasn't on the injury report as of the day before the Friday when I sent you all the the report. Right. But then, like, come the match, he was. So probably a strate- 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 strategical thing, right? Probably 
we're not going to let you know who's really injured, like when we're sending the match notes out type of situation. And like that just feels, I don't know, because if it's, if it's, if it was something like that, that I think, okay, I understand that. But if it's something that's like a different type of decision of he's not playing because for whatever reason, and we're just going to put it on the injury that he just wasn't in the 18 or whatever, like, how do you not to jump ahead? How do you not put the offensive player of the year for your team? Right. Well, and on top of that, how do you not put in a player that you signed to... To literally score goals. Invigorate the offense, right? You brought back a player. Like that... Not, and not even just invigorate the offense, or to, 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 to juice that, but like to juice the fan base, right? Like... How many times have Kavani they... Right. By everybody. I mean, how many times has a silhouette clearly not been freighter, but someone's still going to say freighter anyways? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And like, think about the amount of gourd for us in yeah. that'll send us to the above and beyond, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, like, when neither one of them is in the lineup, I started thinking back to the LA Galaxy match when they were subbed off at half because nothing was really kind of working, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, and they really just hadn't been in the matches since, to be honest. You know what I mean? So it was just kind of like, okay, like, I don't know what we're doing. Okay, but we need to, I don't, let's not get too comfortable with that. But I mean, you couldn't deny that the results weren't coming otherwise. I don't, you know. Sure. So that that just kind of I guess sticks out to me as a ponder. I mean, especially as we're like going forward in into this postseason, right? You're, you know, as we'll get further on in this conversation. But um, a few other things I think about the match. Jerome Kisavetter really did kind of impress. He had a few quality pairs of chances under three minutes to start the game, and like Moreno also as well. But I mean, we had ten shots in the first half, and we just could not put anything like anywhere. They were close. You know, and I, I definitely want to give United props for that. Um, you know, and also we actually managed to keep our defensive shape through most of the game. Like, I, I, we all talk about how we watch the game. And when I watch the game, I try to just sit back and not zero in on who has the ball. I try to see more of the game that doesn't involve the ball because I just want to see if, you know, players are moving around and what the shape is. And I actually had to say, like, they really did maintain that, that, uh, what would you call it? A four-five-one or a four-two-three-one? They did maintain that shape for the most part. The only times when I felt like they didn't is where the transition was suffering. Like the back line was too high at times, and they couldn't recover. And so we saw players like Alexi Swai or like Kalen Ryden doubling back to try to, you know, trying to cover someone who was making a run. And at times, we saw the the midfielders like obviously dropping back to try to, you know, cover those 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 spots, right? But then we also saw our attacking third kind of get lost in the middle at times. We saw Kisa Vetter kind of drop back too deep and then not be able to – he'd be like the only player that really try to make a run. There'd be no one out there really to support him, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that goes back to that note that I had made, right? Losing Sam Hamilton mm. – I think kind of disrupted that because it's like you were saying, I thought they were playing great for the first 30 minutes. I thought they looked great. 
uh, holding their shape. I think there was like two off, two or three offsides by then. Um, you conceded a few too many corners in the short amount of time, but they were able to clear them out in in, in a sim- simplistic way, right? And when you're getting caught on a counter, it didn't seem like um, like it was because of poor positioning. It just seemed like that was what Sacramento's job was to do at the time. Veronica, what did you think of like United going to the air so many times versus trying to advance the ball through the midfield? I felt like, like when we were, I mean, I just I felt like that was something that I wasn't used to seeing as much with United, just because we didn't typically. We weren't usually sending the ball to like these these far ends of the of the pitch, but like, what, what was your kind of take on it? Like, do you think that they should have tried to go through the middle a little bit more and try to like get the the midfielders kind of in, in uh, active in the game earlier on, or do you think that going above was the way, but we just didn't have the players there? I think I think that going above was was more of the way there. They were they seemed to be more successful um, going going that way instead of going up midfield but I just don't feel it's it's like always like that lack of communication to make that you know to to bridge those pieces to to actually create that chance to get the goal and it kind of seems like they they play better that way but then they kind of still miss it but the first 30 minutes they they were really giving them a run for their money like they they couldn't um um what is it called they couldn't really get past they couldn't really get past them and they were making really good like passes and moves and everything. And I just like, what I saw is like, as soon as, you know, Sacramento got that goal, like they just, everything that they were kind of constructing kind of like fell apart. And Patrick, is that, do you think this is where a freighter or Weehan is needed as far as sending the crosses? Cause I mean, this kind of feeds into that crossing number now, right? We only, had 10 crosses and only 30% of them were accurate. Like, is this, is that sort of style to just hoof it over the midfield and just drop it into the opponent's attacking third? Is that, would that have been best been served having a freighter in the lineup? Or what do you think the team could have done to have maximized their, their opportunity? I, I, I think that, I think that original question that you had asked uh, Veronica about why we're not playing in the middle, I think that would have been more beneficial because it doesn't seem like you're using or trying to find some air threats um, with uh, Rivas, Moreno, and uh, and Harry Schwartz on the sides, right? Um, looking at that, uh, the 4-2, what was the 4-2-3-1? Mm-hmm. formation that we were working with and the more that i kind of just like looked at it, it the more i kind of made more sense um that why you're maybe not starting Weehan in in that specific lineup but not putting him on in at some point is i guess where i can say okay the 62 minute substitution is where i may have an issue with when your first legitimate uh, substitution and not one that's forced by injury right. and that you um, are sitting there saying, okay, we're down one. We need to put a playmaker in here. Why isn't it, why isn't it weekend that's coming on? Well, and, and so, yeah, so let's talk about that. I just kind of thought 
I mean, I understand letting them play a little bit. Like, we're not going to make any harsh, we're not going to make any swift moves and go, hey, let's go ahead and get a sub in, like, in the first 45. But, I mean, like, these things aren't on who of Zach to do that. I mean, he did make the the subs at half in the Galaxy game, right? And Because mm-hmm. he felt like he needed to change it up sooner. You know, for whatever reason, you know, he waited. You know, and it involved being down a score, right? So then now he was being reactive, you know, and I guess I just thought like, well, you know, like you normally make your subs at 62 and 75, like that's usually where you're making them anyways. So I guess according to your game plan, you were good, but each time you made your sub, you were down a goal or an additional goal. So like, Where's the change? Where's the change before the goal goes in to give you the uh, or the I guess the spark, right? Right. Like I'm not saying that Kizavetter needs to come off necessarily, or that Moreno needs to come off, or that Rivas needs to come off, or anything like that. But at one point, where are you looking at? Okay, I've seen enough missed opportunities. It's time to change. Right, and and. And that's what I was thinking. Like, okay, you are playing against Sacramento, the team that was in the Open Cup final, right, that hung out there with their players for a very long time in that match, may I add, right, before they made any changes, you know. So certainly knowing that much, you know, and knowing what what we're up against, you know, as a team barely – or I guess holding on to scoring a goal, a game, not really, not really a rich offense, not really averaging to a game. Like if I, I just felt like, okay, like, okay, you brought in Nico. That's good. We we're really happy to see Nico back on the pitch. Um, But that, all right, we're subbing off three people. We're, you know, seventy at minute seventy five, we are live. You know what I mean? Like we brought in everyone because guess what? You're down two. Like, yeah. If he didn't, if he still tried to make those moments, like seventy five and eighty five, I would I would have questioned what he was doing. Like you might as well go ahead and just put the rest of your subs in. If you didn't want to that soon, it's too bad. Like you had to because I mean they forced your hand, Veronica. Like, um, there was a moment when Brett came in. Danny Vidiello, man, was like, he was very much aggressive. He was really, he was trying to stop a near opportunity for United. Um, Michael Azira had gotten the ball on the dribble, managed to toe poke it well up the pitch to a place where Moreno probably could have had it had he not gotten kind of like, Somehow sideswiped by Danny Villello trying to at least come is that out where there. He fell? This is where the ball came up. Hmm. Moreno, I think, may have like he may have uh, what do we want to call it like exchanged paint <laughs> with Danny Villello, like sideswiped and and Villello could, was well outside the eighteen, so he certainly couldn't pick it up. But hmm. he was at least trying to at least get a foot on it or something. And Moreno just couldn't find the ball fast enough for. United to convert, right? Like, I mean, when you watch that, like, think back to, like, what that was like for you in the game. I mean, what were you kind of thinking at that time? Um, Like, another missed opportunity. (laughs) 
um like like here they go again like they uh they kind of it's what they do a lot of which is like not the what is that called when you i guess predict in a way they're not they're not good at predicting which way or like um like it's like they go to the left they'll go to the right (laughs) and that that's something that like i guess it's their instincts um don't kick in with like what what they have in front of them which is something that we we kind of see that's how they lose a lot of possession of the ball and stuff like that well and patrick like vdello comes out i mean why do you think he's running out of his box like some 30 yards to like try to stop that ball like why why because we did see that more than once he was very much the keeper that comes far off of his line and and tries to play an active part. Why do you think he's doing that against New Mexico so much? I think that's what he was I think he was just trying to establish presence, right? Like, hey, you're not going to play that cuz like we said we're trying to go we were playing a lot in the air, right? We're trying to play some of those through balls in the air and and some of them make good there's some good balls that get out towards Moreno a few times and and a few towards um towards Schwartz and Kiesebetter, but um I think that's where he's coming out and saying, I'm just going to establish presence. And you, there is no, there is no spacing between me and my defenders, right? Like I, Mm -hmm. one of us will be there to meet you one way or the other. And it seemed like it was the smart thing to do until he almost gives up a goal. But I think if United were able to capitalize earlier, on some of those because he played probably the sloppiest game for Sacramento in my opinion. And, and and if he is punished for that, I think we're I in all honesty we're looking at like a three or four zero game for United. Mm. In favor or not? For us, for in favor of us. Yeah. I I, I think if Kisabitter puts in that first one, I think uh uh, Danny's kind of sitting back a little bit further and he's going to sit a little bit closer to his line and give opportunities for us. Uh, I think the change that probably comes in is that um, Sacramento probably moves to a 4-3-3 and just drops their midfielder to play four in the back because they were kind of getting beaten up a little bit because it seemed like we were possessing the middle for the first part of the game and then we tried to just throw everything over the top. No, I threw out like kind of a theory I thought maybe was going to play out in this match, and it didn't, and that kind of sucks. But I thought maybe United wasn't playing Ratty or oh, Ratty or Preston because maybe they were – I mean, this was really like I didn't invest too much in it, but it just kind of came to me before the recording. But I thought like maybe, okay, maybe they're not playing them because they won't be on tape and they could then utilize them in the playoff match. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we didn't see Ratty or Preston – like we know that they're around because we see them on video. You know, we see them like they're just not dressed. So, I mean, any thought or speculation as to why they haven't been playing the last few matches? Because I mean, they're not showing up on injury reports. Uh, that might just be an eight. That just might not be a part of the eighteen. It might. It could be a whole. I'll go back to my word of the day. It could be a whole slew of reasons of why <laughs> some of them aren't making the uh, the eight the the eighteen and. One of the things that I was looking at now, and, I, and I'm still just kind of looking at the lineup, and and what happened is, um, why why don't we put why don't we put uh, Brucey Boy in for Hamilton instead of Azira? 
you've got the front foot forward. Why not keep the pedal down a little bit and keep Bruce? You could almost essentially still play the same formation because we know Bruce is very tenacious when he's on the field, right? Uh, right. He's a big go-getter. So why not keep Bruce in that position there and let him feed some of the balls and let him get into those spaces and try and play it a little bit more out wide? And I think you probably see a little bit more crosses with Bruce getting in into the game. But alas. Because, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, and we there are some other things we, we talked about a little bit going into this match too, which is why I was just like, real interested in just talking about New Mexico's playoff identity. We talked about how like United had good form going into the playoff match. They were two Oh and three in their last five, whereas Sacramento uh, was one, three and one. And, um, but like, you know, other pundits for USL championship and the USL show just thought that New Mexico had just been too much flip flopping throughout the season. Anytime they had a good, challenge in front of them to play a good team like memphis if you will uh you know or uh playing um who else uh who else could you put out there uh trying to think of other eastern teams we played didn't win um or like detroit like we had good challenges in front of us and we couldn't necessarily deliver a quality win or result right something they could say okay new mex that new mexico team is different that that was enough to why people didn't really even give New Mexico a chance rolling into this. And didn't it feel a little bit when we were playing this game, did it ever feel like to you, did it feel like the San Antonio match where we won one nil, where we seemed to just be like on the front foot, or did it feel like, like the 2019 season where we were like just barely cracking in the playoffs. And like, we really, you know, we really probably didn't have like, you know, like we probably weren't going to go very far. Cause I, I, when me and Veronica talked about it, I'll be honest. Like I honestly was like, yo, catch me with a don't stop believing shirt around the, the court around the Western conference finals, because we'll have won two games that I didn't think we were going to advance through. I think, um, at least for me, uh, I don't think there's, I always have hope that we'll go very far, but it felt like that that season again because I, I was it kind of takes me back to that the question from USL Pony, um, mm, yes, that he brought up. Um, and let's address that question too. So so he had, uh, they'd asked how do road struggles zero wins when failing to score two plus goals all year, heck only one one zero all season period, finishing with seven winless games including the playoffs. And only one road win all year against playoff sides. How does those? How do those get solved? How do those struggles get solved? And that takes me back to the season that we were talking about, is where we feel like we're barely cracking in, and that's where I kind of felt like is because that feels like uh, we haven't been road warriors in a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. And those seasons felt more promising because of what we were able to do on the road. But USL Pony's got a good point. Where do you solve those issues? Because I think if we win some of those games on the road, granted we had a pretty decent record going into playoffs, but those road wins, um, if you we were banking on hosting, right? Right. And not traveling. 
And I think that's where it kind of threw us off. I think if we, um, uh, and if we're just looking at the last, what, five, we drew three of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Win two, draw three. San Antonio, San Diego. San Diego and Vegas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even that, I would even throw that LA match just to be honest, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To be honest. And it's those, those games. Uh, that I'm just looking at the uh, where's the waste? Uh, one, two, three, one, two, two of them are on the road, right? Colorado were on the road. L- yeah, we're at home or on the road. We're at home, right? Yeah. Um, but those types of wins, I think, play a role, especially when it comes into playoffs. Like you can't. You can't uh, fail to produce away points. Right, because the away game was our bread and butter, if we're honest, this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was our bread and butter. We had only, what, like lost three games away from home. And so there probably was a little bit of that thought that we could go into Sacramento and get the win more favorably because of that. Um. But truly, like, how can we address that? I mean, a lot of it, I I feel like a little bit of it is the 18 that we took. You know, I mean, if we assess the lineup, hey, it was great to see Devin Sandoval play what was probably his final game, if I'm speculating. It was probably his final game. Um. And so for that moment, it's nostalgic, right? A little bit of that soccer god luck that we talk about getting the first goal like four years ago. Um, Azira, could that possibly have been his last game? Possibly too. You know, they did mention he was 34. He's an older player. I mean, he might be wrapping it up here soon. You know, um, we took Hamilton, you know, you know, like, I mean, I don't think that there was anyone we couldn't have taken in his place because we didn't leave anyone at home that was on the same depth chart as him, right? Um, I mean, Tete was hurt, who wasn't hurt, but he was. He was on the injury list that day. Um, We left home Ratty, which was basically a Suggs depth chart, Preston, which is pretty much a Sergio Rivas, right? Um. So, I mean, you, to me, like, player personnel in this situation, we're talking at most two players. I don't know how much that dictates the struggles because, I mean, we hadn't seen those players. Maybe it could have. Maybe it could have been a part of it. But, I mean, Zach talks about, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, he talks a lot about that fourth pillar a lot, about the action pillar. You know, but to me, I'm like, What's the fifth pillar? Accountability? Because, like, he's coaching so much during the week. And then the product on the pitch, either if it, if the product on the pitch reflects his coaching, then, then it's coaching, right? But if the coaching is done and the players still go out and they just can't execute, or maybe the one thing – but the coaching didn't address when they were scouting was pitch pitch disparity, right? I mean, like, 
certain players are fast and other players are not. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Preston is in, he's a fast player and he gives us an edge on the on the wing. But one thing I noticed with Brett, while he's a great finisher, is he wasn't very fast in like the areas he was playing. Like there was not much I mean, this is just me, but like I understand why our transition game is slow because I mean a lot of the players on our pitch are not like fast guys. Like they hold up the ball a lot, you know, they don't have quicker instincts. You know, and so if we're the only way we can really address all these struggles is probably like, you know, to get like I'm gonna just say like some fresh blood in there. I'll tell you one of the things that I think I I noticed as the season kind of went on, and it was something that we kind of discussed in in September was um, mystery on formations. Right? We kept asking ourselves, well, what formation or what formation are we gonna see come out from locomotive against locomotive mm-hmm. after playing what three different formations against Monterey, Memphis, and Colorado, like. It didn't feel consistent, and so what is what is the motive for next year? Um, if you, if you're trying to that say, was good. <laughs> that was an unintended pun. <laughs> Can you repeat the pun? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even remember the pun. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "What's the motive?" locomotive locomotive um nice patrick nice here here's another one for you how do we avoid a train wreck next year um don't buy a ticket (laughs) uh, um how do we how do we avoid something like that for next year if like we're going back to that is it coaching or is it or is that player identity? And I think it's a mixture of both of what is our identity? Right. What, what, what is our identity moving forward? Because it didn't feel like we had an identity that we could really sit upon. Right. And like, see, he um, was saying that we, there, that they knew their identity. And I was like, what is that? Like, what is the identity? Like the, we did not fare out well against the Western conference playoff teams. We, only got three wins against the other six teams. We had some losses and a bunch of draws. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it wasn't. We didn't have a good record against those teams. Can we so, like lead the league in draws too? Like, yeah, like it just to me the identity was like it could like it was like five minute weather in New Mexico. Do you know what I mean? Like it could be anything. And I mean, I guess where I wrap my mind is like. We need a team that is wanting to get after it. Like, if there are any teams I could look at that we played this whole year that I would love to see New Mexico look like, Detroit City. Oh, yeah. Like, a team like that. And I was thinking Colorado or Detroit. So, um, just something that... Because we, you know, we were talking about it when we were talking about the Col- the Colorado game. Is Colorado's identity of what their what their game plan is trying to do? And I'm not saying you make yourself one dimensional where somebody goes in there and says, "We're gonna look at game film." Okay, this is 
let's say it's Nico Brett. Okay, we're focusing on Nico Brett the entire time, and that's how they're not going to win the game. And if you execute on that, you're not going to win the game. That's not what I'm saying at all. Find an identity for the team of how you're going to play, so that way when you do mix up pieces, the identity still remains the same of we're going to play a slow buildup and then finish hard with some speed, or we're going to do some something else. Because I'm just kind of going back to, to his presser, and the thing that stood out to me at least was he said the game plan was executed, we just didn't capitalize. Well, how was the game plan executed if you didn't capitalize? Right. So so what was the game plan? What was the identity for that you were expecting for the game? Like, yes, you didn't capitalize. Keith Vetter doesn't capitalize on some golden opportunities, but that you weren't you weren't planning for that. I wasn't planning for that. Exactly. And and and, and alluding to what you're saying, we're actually going to play the presser here uh, now, and uh, we'll kind of start stop it and and uh, on points made and you know if anyone's got anything to say about it we can just kind of say our piece on it let me add it to the thing here and we're at their press conference here uh the next united season ends in the first round of the playoffs against second of public fc can i right hear that director zach princeton yeah. about the season you just kind of want to pick up where uh you know where you guys are now you know days removed from from the from the exit and just kind of what's ahead the next few weeks or so? Yeah, I think, you know, first it's uh, now it's time to have individual meetings with players. And we just had our, you know, end of the season team meeting and uh, having individual meetings with players. Some guys are, you know, still under contract. Some guys on options. Some guys are out of contract. And so really going through that and uh, making sure everyone knows exactly where they are headed into the uh, to the offseason. So let's let's stop at that point. I mean, we know we know that Chris Weehan, Amanda Moreno, Kalen Ryden, Sergio Rivas, probably Christian Nava, are shoe ins for the twenty twenty three season. Um, just offhand, who do you think are probably players that we don't know about? I think Harry Schwartz is one of them. Why do you think that? Do you think because he's played two seasons, maybe he's... I think he's... I don't know if it's him. I think it's other teams looking at him because of his productivity in these last two seasons. Um, I think his productivity has been really well. He's been one of probably the better players for Anim United in the last two seasons. And I think that hasn't gone unnoticed. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a San Diego Loyal or a Sacramento or a Pittsburgh or a Birmingham um, teams that are in the thick of the playoff race. Um, Cause calling. the three, five, two kind of was developed off of Harry Swartz and, mm-hmm. and Daniel Bruce. If mm-hmm. we're right. Like, I mean, we brought a man, we brought Swartz in and then we started using this three, five, two setup. It mm-hmm. seemed like we, move Josh Suggs from being a fullback on the left side to more of a winger. We use Austin Yearwood that way a little bit. Remember we were kind of shifting dudes around and it, you know, I you, like to your point, like I could definitely see where teams are like, Hey, like, you know what? We really like what he's doing. We could utilize them in our, in our mix. Um, and that, and that's just his, from that product productivity. I think that's just, 
What do you think about Nico Brett? Now, he hasn't really played anywhere a second year from looking at his Wikipedia. Like, do you think he changes it up and decides, hey, you know what, maybe I'm going to touch down another year here in New Mexico? Or do you think that he is definitely one that, as Zach is speaking about players with options, like one-year, one-options, where they can, you know, the club may exercise it, but the player doesn't have to necessarily take it, right? I'd like to see him back, but. What about, okay, what about Ratty? Now, we know Ratty's situation. He was on loan to us for the season from the Acker Hearts. He didn't get a lot of playing time in my mind, right? I mean, though this this though Ratty was from a Ghanaian Premier League championship team, oh. does New Mexico sign him, or do you think they just let him go? I, I, I would have answered your question if he would have played in the last couple of matches, but it looks like that may be it for him. Okay. Carl Fred Sainty comes across from uh, Haiti. We don't play him. We ultimately send him to MLS Next Pro. Um, and I didn't see how he necessarily did, but there was the option for FC Dallas to be able to uh, buy him, or we would potentially get him back, and who knows if we would utilize him or if we would potentially also waive him. I hadn't checked like his progress. Did he click the wrong button? I think he. <laughs> <laughs> I think he clicked the wrong button. I think he did. Yeah, we'll just we'll just wait. <laughs> One forty-five. There he is. You clicked the wrong button, didn't you? I might have. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. We're like, well. I <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm so glad you guys say that. Okay, we'll we'll okay. So Carl Fred Sainty. <laughs> That's where we're picking picking this back up. Uh, quick blip. Um, have we checked like his progress though? Like, uh, what has he? What did he do while he was at FC Dallas? Like, is he someone that United wants to bring back um, in our eyes, or do you think that when they sent him there, it was kind of like, I hope someone picks you up? <laughs> Let me, let me see if I can find him. Uh, pull him up right now, too. See what... Okay, so while you're doing that, um, let's go down the list more. Daniel Bruce. He's been a staple here. He's that, you know, he seems like he's, you know, got a little bit of life here. Does he stay here another year, or do you think it's time to explore? Because he's still pretty young. I don't, I don't really see um, Daniel Bruce going anywhere. Yeah, I think I don't. he's, he's just so a part of life here in a way right that like mm -hmm. i will be if if he did leave i would be shocked okay he's, a, he's um, such a key piece to the to the team right how about alex tambacus i'm worried that he will go 
Uh, I think the two that I have on my list that that was next to Harry Schwartz was Tambakis. And the other one that I was kind of on the fence about was um, <clears throat> Sam Hamilton. Mm. Okay. Do you think Hamilton goes or do you think he like hangs it up? That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I, I, w- I was just unsure of where, where his where he was at. Because uh, it also didn't it kind of also sound on the presser that Zach was kind of saying that there were people he might not have come back. Yeah, and like yeah, not not so much that like they're that. choosing to, but that he's kind of like saying it's time to change out some pieces here. And kind of yeah, it sounds like he kind of well, hinted like, at, at that at the end there. What we heard. I need to pull that file back up. Hopefully, it doesn't start playing. Honestly, uh, those, make sure you those. Okay. Um. So then let's talk like let's talk of some of the the new guys, Kisavetter, like, would you want to see him come back or like, how do you, how do you feel about it? Like, did he add to the game? I would like him to come back. I, you know, for, I don't know why I want to say for not as much time as he had on the pitch. I think he did. He did well. He did good with, you know, scoring for us and stuff. So, Seemed like he offered a different vantage point than Freighter, if you think about it. I mean, we we all we mm-hmm. saw Jerome when he played for Locomotive, right? He was that mm-hmm. sort of player that kind of crashed in um, into the goal, like in the you know what I mean. He was always good for a square ball or two. Um, maybe I wonder if Zach just started to see like Kisa Vetter's like worth like towards the end, right? Um, what what about Romario Williams, right? He has obviously been an anomaly. He came in like when they brought him in the presser. I mean, his the first thing he said was, Hey, I'm coming here to add to what's already going. And I mean, it didn't really feel like we got too much out of Romario Williams, to be honest. I mean, yes, he did have a header in the LA game and that gave us something, but he kind of just seemed like another body like Brian Brown. Like, I don't know if they if our system norm necessarily fit him, but we really just didn't see him after a while. And I don't know if, you know, if looking forward to a new season, if you necessarily bring him back or if you go, okay, Hey, well, we, you know, we, we tried this before, right. And the way our team is going, maybe we don't necessarily need that. Cause I mean, we got Sandoval and that was basically the same piece. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it would be interesting looking at like who may or may not come back. Because I was also thinking about ages too. Because one that uh, Suggs is one that stands out for me. Oh yeah. Does he, does he play one more year or does he hang it? I could I could see him hanging it up. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, I certain certainly know he's not going to be waiting until his son gets of age. He's not pulling a, pulling a LeBron. That's a little comical thing here, but I mean, hmm. I could see Suggs kind of hanging it up too. Like I, I honestly am surprised he's played four years for this team. I could be, I I could honestly tell you that I see him going one more and okay. then hang, and then hanging it. So like calling, but I wouldn't be surprised year. if he hung it up this year. Right. Okay. 
Um, who does that leave us? Alexi Swayi. And we'll just say we'll see more as well, huh? I, I like Swayi. So did I. I. I thought he was. I thought he was a good piece for us. He was like he was like a Mbappe light. Is that fair? Is that a fair comparison? Yes. I mean, maybe not position wise, but like, you know, it's nice to have a Frenchman on the team. Mm. Yes. <laughs> especially, especially one that was down enough to tweet to let me tweet my girl. Yeah. When I was stranded at an airport. So he, I think, he's. I think that's the only reason you want to keep him. That's what, yes. it's no nostalgia November, Chris. That's. Hey, it's not yet. And we have a screenshot <laughs> of that tweet. <laughs> we have a screenshot of that tweet. Catch me printing that out as like a picture frame lately. <laughs> I'll be on it'll be like on a coffee mug. <laughs> no nostalgia November. So we have right. 20 players set to expire. Yeah, yeah. And, and he said that like 12, 11 or 12 of them are are, are coming back. Of those twenty, are we looking at the? Yeah, of the tw- of those twenty. I just think we don't know about Nico, Preston, Ratty, Carl, Fred, Sainty. That's five. We don't know about. Illich isn't coming back. No, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah, we don't know about. Do we know about you? Do we know about Tambacus? No, we don't. And uh, <laughs> we've honestly had him for two seasons, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought we were going to edge him out when Cody came back at first, but that's what I thought. Yeah. I thought that was going to happen. But where did Cody go? I mean, he's playing for NYC. Yeah. I think he went back. Yeah. MLS. Like, MLS, yeah. When we got Cody and then, you know, a couple goals went in, I was like, well, okay, we can send him back kind of. Too. <laughs> hmm. I mean, can't, you know. Uh, a goalkeeper is a really interesting place to be in because, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we have Ford and Ford is good too. Um do we bring in that mystery announcement? Because that, uh, yeah, let's drop that in there. Because I mean, because he's also showing up on the ESPN roster too. What? Yeah. Oh, we have some breaking news. Carlos Mercado. Jose Carlos Mercado shows up on um, the NM United roster on ESPN. Hey. Coming from FC Dallas, this is a possible. San well, he he played last in FC Dallas, right? What? How old is this kid? Twenty-three. Pot. Too too soon to say. Is this possibly a swap for Carl Fred Sainty? I could see that because I don't see them swapping um, Alex Tambakis out for, unless right. Tambakis is is leaving us, which we hope not. <laughs> that could have been like an even thing right there. Right. So it's possible that United could be announcing that soon. I just hope that it's that it is a lock and that like I I hope that it is a lock 
and that it's not like another one of those situations like uh, I don't know if you remember this, Patrick, maybe a couple seasons ago, but um, what player was it that was showing up on New Mexico United's page and someone and I think it was like some borough man who said, oh, yeah, it's this guy. Was it Jimmy Conrad? Was that? That's not. I right think player. so. Is that who it was? Remember that? I think or, so. Or no, McLaughlin. Remember, it was I'm Jimmy. Conrad. I thought it was Chicharito. No, no, no. It was like Jimmy McLaughlin <laughs> showing up in our page. He was from Lou City or something like that, or, or FC Cincinnati. It's one of the two. FC Cincinnati, I think it was. <laughs> and he was showing up on United's page on ESPN, and everyone thought, "Oh, McLaughlin's coming here," but it was like some straight glitch or something that happened. And, Okay, so I had to go look at the Carlos. The Carlos. Okay, what do you uh, got? And I had to click on his thing, and it said he made an appearance for San Antonio. Okay. As a sub. This season. Yes. On. Oh no. That's not right. I'm gonna assume last season. Okay. It says it says that he's been without a club since 2021, and I don't I don't think that includes. Um, um, yeah, this was last year. He came on for San Antonio. So this year he was with MLS. Next, I that's what my assumption is. Yeah. Um. Breaking news. I hope we didn't ruin anything. <laughs> That's okay. We... You know what, though? It's okay. Sources. Sources. It was, on, it was on the Google search for New Mexico United. They had and, it up there. So And it's on ESPN. And on ESPN. So And on, what is that? That trade, uh, whatever, that trade web, website. Trade so who is the trade? Who is the trade for? Or who are we speculating the transfers? We're speculating that maybe uh, it's possible that this Jose, what is it, Mercado? Yes. That uh, the potentially FC Dallas is a uh, MLS team, though, right? Yes. There are no no next pro next pro. That's right. That possibly there's a one for one swap for Fred Santi. Carl Fred Santi for this goalkeeper. Because, I mean, as we know it, as we know it, he was offered up to them. And, I mean, it was a loan, and it was like the option to buy at the end of the season or he would come back to us. And do you think they went for a one-for-one swap? I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that they went for one for one. I mean, that's what I that's what I would I would think could happen. I have them pulled up on the FC Dallas website too. This uh, Jose Mercado, and uh, let's see, oh, the match log doesn't come up. Oh, that's weird. Did he just was he like a like a number two or number three? I guess I'm guessing I that's so. that's probably his idea. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I, I I'm beside myself on that. I, if that's the case, I mean, we'll see. Um, what do you guys think about 
who else? Yearwood, Austin Yearwood. Is he coming back? Do you guys think he comes back, or do you think that hmm. he's ready to turn a new leaf in life? What do you think? I I'd think like. To, I think he, he comes back. Goes. You why think, do you he, think goes? he goes? Why do you think he goes? I think he goes. I think. I think. Um, I don't know why it has. It feels like they're ready to see what else is on the horizon, career-wise. Okay, and, yeah. and important <laughs> uh, on the on the internet the other day, I saw someone speculating that Ken Akumatsu. Did you see that out there? Mm-mm. Someone in the United Nation had shared because Ken Akamatsu had updated his profile picture and he happens to be in the New Mexico United kit from back when they played um, at UNM when they played against, um, what is it? Cardiff you, City. Cardiff City. How do you spell his name? Ken uh, Akamatsu, A K A M A T S U. Akamatsu. Um, there was some thought that maybe he was returning, but I. But here's the bigger overarching question to you guys, and then we'll go back to this this file. Is a lot of these players are from the Troy Lassane era, and I know me and Veronica have talked offline. Sometimes it does still feel like the Lassane era still continues with Zach, right? Like the lineage. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, you know, his understudy essentially, and he picked up in his the year that Troy's like, oh, I'm gonna actually not work, do this fourth year. I'm gonna leave, and then Zach, boom, is the guy. They probably didn't really have enough recovery time. Now I think about it. Um, but do you think these players who started with Troy, who were with Zach, are like, okay, I need to like check out more of life. Like I need to see other teams. Like. I mean, their stock doesn't necessarily go up either, though. You know, but, if they had like the other thing, like to that argument is, Zach was there for most of their careers here too. So, right. what kind of role does that play now that he's uh, in charge? True, because he's no longer just the assistant coach, who's kind of like the cool cop, right? Right. He's like the main guy. And he's like, look, I know you. And we joked around, whatever it was, right? He's like, but now our relationship has changed. Because we pondered this at the beginning of the season. We pondered Mm -hmm. what would their relationships be like now with Zach being the main guy versus being the guy that was kind of the crony, you know? Who was Mm -hmm. like, whenever he took over the team, the guys were like, and Zach, you know? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, it's vastly different. So you have to wonder what the relationship's like. So, I mean, that's something to speculate, but let's go back to this file a little bit. I might be a little bit ahead. Let's see where we're at. Uh, just the difference in the approach and, you know, what, what, what changes could be ahead? Yeah, I think the biggest difference is I've worked with these players for a year uh, as being their head coach. And so that is go. a, you know, a different role. And so um, I, uh, I'm really excited about where we're headed. I think um, we, have identified some areas that we need to be better in and then also we're you know really you know solid in a lot of areas um and so saying that i think we can um if we if we 
you know, get the right guys back and um, add on to our roster and with the right people, then we're going to set ourselves up for success. The right guys back. Mm-hmm. I think that. Who does he think? The well, right the th- I think the three that we're talking, at least the thing that the three that we would be talking about would be Moreno, Rivas, and Weehan. And we got them for one more year, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, he says we're strong in some areas and other areas we need to improve. So Somebody's we <laughs> so do you think we need to improve the back line or do you think it's the midfielders? I think it's the formation that Zach the forwards. I think it's the formation that Zach wants to play. Do you want to play something like obviously you're going to swap formations as it goes, but what exactly are you looking for from your midfielders and what exactly are you looking for from your defenders? And this goes back to the identity of the team that you're looking for. Are you trying to find a team like, let's say, because you were playing Harry Schwartz higher up the pitch rather than a little bit more back where he traditionally played, right? Right. Are you trying to push tempo or what like what is the identity that you are exactly looking for? And I think if we can get the answer to that question, we would look at the people that we would be keeping. Are we keeping um are we keeping Freighter? Are we keeping Sam Hamilton? Are we keeping Was uh, Re- was Revis an impact this year? Right. Things like that. Okay. That's that's good. Let's keep going. Are we keeping Portillo? Like, are we keeping some of these players? Right. I think Portillo needs to stay if that's the if that's the thinking that he's the right pieces. I think Portillo stays. Hmm. I, I think okay. Sam Hamilton stays. I think Portillo would be a nice addition for us. I, I think Bruce stays. I think uh, I don't know. I think the areas of improvement are the one, two, three, four, five, six forwards that we have. <laughs> yeah, because we have a lot of those, and those aren't the guys that have been scoring the last. Those three aren't games. the guys scoring the goals. Yeah. All right. So let's let's keep going. Do you uh, do you know off the top of your head roughly how many guys you have under contract for next year? R- roughly, just straight up on uh, like. Uh, non-option right. um it's right around 11 12 guys and uh that we have that are coming back for next year um that aren't on an option right yeah so looking back on saturday night uh coming out at halftime every uh, reason in the world to think you might walk off the field uh, with the w yeah i think it, very disappointed and you know not capitalizing in the first half i mean you're away from home and you got to take chances um and we had plenty of them in the first half and so um disappointed with that and then and then but also at the same time like game plan and execution it was just it was you know really good from the guys the guys were really front-footed in the first half um there was a period of time where you know Sacramento has a little bit of a play of the play and that's going to happen in a playoff game. You know, Sacramento is a good team. Um, obviously losing Sam Hamilton doesn't help. It doesn't help, uh, 
you know, in the middle of the field about how we, how aggressive we want to be. Um, and so, uh, that, that wasn't, you know, the most ideal situation, but, um, saying that I thought, you know, ended the half really well into the half, you know, creating a couple chances. And then second half, you know, we get, we get a play wrong. Um, and they capitalize on him. Malik Foster's good player. And so, uh, if you leave him space and behind, he's gonna, he's gonna punish you for it. And second goal, you know, it looks like it's a handball. Um, but, um, you know, that's just, we put ourselves in that situation. So, um, yeah, definitely disappointed by the result. I thought, you know, if we, you know, capitalize early, then we put them under a ton of pressure. Um, and you could tell that they were uh, questioning themselves um, throughout the first half. And then um, us making a mistake really, you know, hurt us in the second half. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, in their previous game, they had three goals in the first 18 mm -hmm. minutes. And they went into half with zero. So that's what you're talking about. Is like you guys had them guessing. That, that was a that was a big point of emphasis in our game plan is making sure the first 15 minutes we were the aggressor rather than them and uh, I thought we did that really well and then you know we just you, you got to score with that many opportunities and uh, that many quality opportunities and so um, I think if we score one of those goals we put them under a ton of pressure coach you talked a little bit about you know highest point total, most wins, best goal the all those kinds of things. What did the team do really well this year? And what are some things that you need to do better in order to look to the cup next year? Yeah, I think first thing we do is, I mean, defensively, we're really solid. You know, we I mean, gave up the third least amount of goals in the Western Conference. And so um, if we keep building on that and uh, get a little bit more attacking fluidity, up top where we're, you know, more consistent chance creation. Um, we're going to be a really tough team to play against. And uh, I just look at, you know, having 12 draws on the year. You know, if you win five of those games, you're second in the Western Conference. And so um, the margins are slim. And uh, we just got to make sure that we're um, putting ourselves in the best situation to, you know, turn those draws into wins. Um, and, uh, you know, if we do that, then there's no doubt we'll have a home game and we'll put ourselves in a really good situation to attack the playoffs. The really, <clears throat> I, it gets it gets real interesting to me how much they really just keep talking about having a home playoff game. You know, and my thing is, win a playoff game, no matter if you're home or away. Um, like, yes, we want to play at home, and if your priority. And I don't know if I have really, like, because that quote kind of, like, it doesn't upset me, but it kind of rubs me the wrong way is that their focus is, their focus this year was get to the playoffs. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good focus, but everything along the way was not pretty at all. You know? Yeah, we... Mm -hmm. Because like, he, he brings up a good point. You win four. You don't even win five of those games. You win four of those games, and you're the number two seed. And and if you go look at the four draws, three of them came towards the end of the <laughs> three of them came towards the end of the year. Right. Well, yeah, and I mean, honestly, if we go back and think about Detroit, that was a draw. 
but that Detroit team was good. Mm-hmm. San and, Diego's a draw. Yep. San, each uh, time San Antonio's a draw. Right. And yeah, and so it's so so he makes a good point about if they can turn some of those draws around, then hey, they have a better record. The problem I had was this. And me and Veronica, we've we've all we've discussed it so much offline that it's great that we can finally get to a place of the season being over and really to just kind of bring it up here is like I wasn't very sure what the path was for Zach Prince to be able to accomplish the things that he's expressed. They talked about wanting to hoist a cup at the end of the season, but I didn't think that they did a good enough job establishing a roadmap or, you know, like linking up how to get there. Um, Everything still in a way sounds like things that they say to season ticket holders, if you will. Like, hey, we want to have a home playoff game. And I mean, that's such a huge marketing point already, right? That's something that they drive so much. And I have a feeling that if they got the home playoff game, they would have super stressed it as far as their marketing is concerned. But the whole fact of the matter is we didn't have Zach Prince when he popped out, when he first popped out in the scene, and we had really wanted to um, capture some of what he said when he first came on the scene, but we can obviously do that on another episode when we further evaluate what we thought we really liked or didn't like this year. (laughs) Um, But he didn't come out with any sort of roadmap. He didn't show the New Mexico United uh, supporter fandom Like, this is how we're going to get here. We want to win. We have a goal of winning 20 matches. We have a goal of having the most points in the Western Conference. We have a goal of winning the fictitious supporters' shield, right? We have a goal of having home field advantage. Like, they're barely just kind of saying, hey, we want to have a home playoff game. Well, that does sound like two, three, or four right? That sounds like being in one of those top four spots. And clearly we didn't win some critical games that I felt, and you have felt, we have all felt on this episode that they should have won that would have put us in a position. We got to a place where they went from controlling their own destiny. Clearly they could have clinched a lot sooner and had more opportunity to try to get the home playoff game. But they lost the games or they drew the games and Hey, at the very last moment, they decided to go and beat Colorado Springs two nil and then leave it to Sacramento to hopefully lose to San Diego, which didn't happen. And so then they didn't get that anymore. And I, I remember it when I talked to Peter after the San Diego tie, when we were on the plane together or something of the sort, I said, Oh man, you know, they could still do it if they do X, Y, and Z. And he said, Right now, we just got to get to the playoffs. And I thought, hmm, that's where we're at, right? We're, we just got to get in. Like we, and that's what we did. We just kind of fell in, you know, at the, at, you know, in kind of the last moments. Well, that's kind of how like last year felt too, right? Trying to get in. Right. And we didn't. We like were waiting for something to happen where El Paso all of a sudden decided to lose. 
<laughs> right like El Paso decided to lose and I mean exactly well, and remember the first year remember the first year that we got into the play-in round mm-hmm. and they were like and they tried to call that postseason forever until they stopped calling it that but it was like we got into a wild card round lost and then the playoffs started you know and I think the only year was 2020 where we were like sitting in the driver's seat the whole year just about if you remember Mm-hmm. And then we had that critical match against Colorado Springs that Zach Prince head coached because Troy Lassane was off with his wife because she was pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a critical game for him to lead, and they lost that one nil to Colorado Springs. The first time Colorado Springs had ever beat us in the time that we had been playing them. Oh, and that true. was the game where El Paso shifted past us, and they won division right off of that one. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, like, he came onto the scene with such a strong pitch. I didn't want to necessarily hear that I thought it could happen. And then he was just like, we're going to go out and do it. And he was saying all the right things, man, you know, and, <laughs> and I wondered if these players were going to stick around, but I'm pretty sure they were in limbo. They probably didn't have another option to go to when Troy stepped out like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause Troy initiated some things like, the Romario Williams conversation was initiated mm-hmm. with Troy and then Troy was going or, you know what I'm saying? Like, like some of these things were underway because they thought Troy was coming around for that fourth year, Nico Brett and all that too, you know? So, so I guess to me, the way that we're going to move forward with Zach is that he really, like, I feel like they really do need to take it all apart and really project, look at like what, how is, how are we going to get there? You know, home, home performance this year was absolute trash. Like we did not look good at home whatsoever. Like, and that is supposed to be a staple point. That can't be that way. Going forward, like we have to win, like, I don't want to be like unrealistic, but we need to win like at least 75, 80% of our games there. Like of those games. Yeah. No, that needs to be, that needs to be the, well, that is the staple point for New Mexico. Like perfection needs to be like near perfection there. Yes. That needs to be like, that's one of those ones that you're, and I'm not disregarding any of the other teams, but New Mexico United is that unique team where your home games aren't divvied up between MLS, baseball, football, or anything like that. Your supporters are 100% New Mexico supporters. Like, let's just go back to that Twitter or to that Twitter poll that came out. I don't know if you guys saw that one. Uh, the most searched soccer team. Uh, that a Reddit user did for each state, and New Mexico United's the most searched team in New Mexico. The only USL team to make it to that list, like that needs to be that that needs to be your identity always. Right. Win at home. Well, and the players this year didn't maybe necessarily seem to have the four club and four state kind of mantra if we're fair, right? Like they're new players to the area. They probably haven't quite latched in the way that the second year team did, right? The Kings of Chaos team did. Like Mm -hmm. 
you know, I mean, if we're like, and like you said, the road warriors, we need to, the Kings of chaos needs to come back. Right. Yeah. Essentially that needs to come back. That was a hype year. That was nice. But there was something that Troy was doing. There were players from New Mexico playing on the team, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I, and we have Christian, uh, his, do we find, do we find you somebody from the academy and bring them up again next year? Or see, does somebody look like they can step up for next year and make some first team moments? Because I think uh, the introduction of Christian Nava to a full time first team position kind of invigorated that state uh, state first mantra. Right. Or for, for us, for state, for. Yeah, for state and for. For club, right, here we go. And looking into the offseason, do players do individual workouts? How does how does that work out? How do players kind of stay focused? Do they go home to family? What what does all that look like? Some go home, some of them stay here, but we give them individual plans that you know they'll have for the offseason to get them ready. It's a it's a tailored plan that you know gives them a little bit of break, and then they you know gradually get stronger and stronger and stronger before you know, the uh, preseason begins. And so that's important for us to, you know, really, um, you know, keep checking in on them and uh, making sure that, you know, they're in a good spot physically and mentally to, you know, head head into preseason with a, you know, really good mentality and, you know, really good shape physically. You mentioned that mentality after the game on Saturday. You talked about, you know, brief reflection period and then we get going towards yeah. this year. Is that what you're seeing from the guys as well? Yeah, I think everyone's, you know, obviously they have a little bit of time off, but um, everyone's ready to, you know, start working towards 2023. And so um, I'm excited about, you know, all the prospects of uh, getting the right players back and getting, you know, um, you know, some new new faces in. I think that's good to, you know, freshen the group up each year and, um, I'm excited about that. How much of a challenge is the next few weeks, months? Uh, I imagine there's difficult decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you learn of, from the first time around last offseason, and how much more prepared do you feel like you are? Um, definitely feel more prepared. Um, but at the same time, you know, you just got to have conviction in your decisions. And uh, some of them aren't easy. Um, and whatever that is, you got to be clear-minded in this moment and not let – you know, fatigue of a season get to you um, in this moment and make, you know, clear, level-headed decisions so you're putting ourselves in the best spot come, you know, February 1st to be in a good spot for preseason. So that's the that's the biggest key for us is making sure that we're, uh, you know, communicating clearly to all the guys about where we see them and where we see it for them in our organization. So long season, you guys, I kept always saying April, it was actually March when you started. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, so um, you mentioned uh, the people will have their own plans and stuff. So, but when is like the first official time that you guys uh, get back to work? Like uh, you mentioned February 1st preseason. January 15th, they'll okay. report. They'll report January 15th and they'll go through some testing um, and then you know, it's good for them to get two weeks in altitude before we really start going. And, uh, but they'll work out and do some things as a team for those two weeks before, you know, we enter our preseason. Okay. 
obviously you've been through this. You've been around this league for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, first year getting through it as a head coach. What what did you learn from it? Um, I learned, you know, a lot of things. I think uh, the, the my biggest takeaway is um, really making sure I consistently focusing on us more than the opponent. Um, I think we got, you know, there was a period of time where I thought I was focusing on the opponent maybe a little too much and um, not focusing on us enough and um, I think uh, with that, we got pretty clear on what we wanted to do towards the end of the year and saw some success from that. But um, I think that's my biggest takeaway. And uh, I'm, I'm ready to, uh, you know, help the guys with that, you know, this coming 2023. Uh, you've got a busy off season as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Wife is expecting. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to be able to focus on family a little bit more. Than For maybe. sure. I mean, definitely helping her out. I know she's uh, she's you know she needs help. I mean, she's a rock star. But um, at the same time, um, you know, being eight months pregnant, uh, it's it's just tough with a two year old. And so, um, yeah, we're excited it, having another little girl, and can't wait for to meet her and. Uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, coming up in the next, you know, five, six weeks, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to meet her. So I'm, I'm so excited. You have one dollar already, right? One dollar. That's her experience at, you know, New Mexico. Talk a little bit about excitement level. What do you expect from those guys? Where Luke's done all of that? Yeah, Luke's done a phenomenal job this year and really pushed those guys to a different level. Um, I think uh, the academy players are, you know, definitely really excited. We're going to have a few of them in the preseason next year, which I'm, you know, excited about at least, you know, three um, in the preseason. And so um, I'm looking forward to having those players in and I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing how they do. Uh, unfortunately, I can't go to Tampa because, you know, we're having a a baby and so uh, all the other staff will be there and they're excited to go and experience it you know Nate was there with Charlotte Independence last year as their head coach um, Junro this will be his first experience in USL Academy same with Mac um, and so they're uh, they're really excited to go down there and you know try to lift a trophy uh, last one for me how much have you reflected on just the whole full scale of your first season as head coach U23 team coming to life, academy continuing progressing, you guys getting back to the playoffs. It really was quite a lot your first you know, head coaching year. Yeah, I think I'm really proud of, you know, where the academy and U23s are. We had a lot of good players that, you know, we've kept tabs on through throughout the year um, that are, you know, really interesting to us uh, as potential prospects. So I'm, I'm, I really like that pipeline. Um, and then also the players that leave our academy now have somewhere to come back and play in the summers, and that's, you know, phenomenal as well. Um, but saying that, I mean, with the first team, you know, what's, what's really important to me and throughout, you know, whatever results are happening is just making sure that you're doing everything you can to get wins and uh, staying really focused on that and not getting too emotional in those moments. 
And I think, uh, you know, us collectively have done a really good job of that this year when, um, you know, there could have been some moments of frustration that we could have let show. And uh, we did. We chose not to do that, chose to focus on, you know, how are we going to get our next win. And uh, I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of, uh, you know, setting some records this year. Um, that makes me really happy that the, you know, club's headed in the right direction. Now it's our you know, goal to keep pushing that, keep pushing that forward and making sure that we're, you know, doing everything we can every day to, you know, go and, you know, lift a trophy. That's, that's our, that's our goal. And, you know, really the real goal is to bring positivity to New Mexico and wins do that, you know, wins make people happy. They give people a source of entertainment and give people a source to be proud of, you know, our team. And so we want to continue to make them proud. And uh, I'm, I'm really, you know, excited about this offseason to, you know, continue to do that. And so <clears throat> so that's a good wrapping point. Um, this, of course, was the um, final press conference to wrap up the 2022 season with Zach Prince. Um, just final thoughts, guys, going back around to you. Um, the last thing Zach was talking about, obviously, was how wins bring happiness to the state and how, um, obviously, he was mentioning about uh, two or three uh, academy players that they're looking at. So in preseason, we get the idea that there's going to be some fresh blood there. And if we think historically about past New Mexico United rosters, we've always had one or two rookies, right, that we, in most cases, hadn't used, right? I mm -hmm. mean, if we're being 100% honest. Um, so quite possibly, I mean, I, I'd still imagine us still trying to sign players like Call Fred Sainty or, or Ratty out of other countries and stuff still. But, I mean, this seems pretty hopeful that we'll see more academy players probably break into the first team. What are your final thoughts about things that Zach said just now, or even just thinking about all the conversation we've had tonight? I think he's got us. I think he's got a little bit more of a sense of direction listening to that presser towards the end, a little bit more an idea uh, of what the identity really needs to set out and be. Um, I like the idea of bringing in those academy players like we were just talking about. Um, and it's just the picture of what it looks like on the field now is like, um, who are you really expecting to return? And I think when we find out at the end of November, when those contracts are all up and we're looking at who's signing in November and December and January, January we'll get a better idea moving forward. But um I think he he needs to take this season in stride as a learning experience, and then we've got the right foot forward for next season. I mean, I hope that we see the Zach from the first presser next season. Um, I think um, you know, we're all more than willing to um, to to have another season with him to see. If once he gets the right pieces um, on his team to complete his, you know, his chessboard, <laughs> um, 
you know, will, will we have a different team? Will we have a more unified team that has like excellent passing communication? Um, I, you know, I think we'll see. We'll see, like uh, Patrick said, who signs back on, who, well, not only that, but who um, Zach wants to have come back on. That's that's that two-way street thing right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens next season with this. Yeah, excellent point, guys. And I, and I agree with you, too. I think that um, it will be interesting to see some of the transitions that Zach makes going from year one to year two. Um, player personnel, we'll start to see that probably in the coming weeks, as we've heard. Um, you know, mere speculation on academy players that will be interesting i guess we'd have to go back and look at the roster of course we know that they're going to be competing in the academy cup so um i'm sure we need to tune into when the academy cup happens somewhere in december at that about that time we'll know kind of probably what players you know might be key prospects i'm guessing it might be the ones that are the stat leaders um and i mean i know when the academy was doing its thing with lasane we were looking at players like andres robles and there was another player who was in the 18 i can't think of what his name is it escapes me for the moment um more than anything i'm just looking forward to the fifth year and what the club could be and how dynamic we can go and you know, um, I think those are like the biggest things. Uh, lastly, we wrap here. Uh, the club has announced some yearly awards. Uh, the newcomer of the year was Justin Portillo. The defensive player of the year was Alex Tambakis. And the offensive player of the year was Chris Weehan. Um, a couple of ones that are still up are MVP. Um, who do you guys think gets MVP of those three players? I want to say Tampacus. I was going to go with Weehan. I might have to say Portillo. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all on different places. Um, humanitarian of the Year award. I think it goes to Zero. What do you think? Zero. Yeah, yeah. Zero. And, I mean, he's building, oh, he's building schools and stuff for kids. I mean, yeah. come on. Okay, yeah. there, there isn't <laughs> really anyone else, right? I mean, like I know we know that Sergio Rivas has been out doing some things with Depot and whatnot, but I don't. You know, I mean, it's been for the most part a zero. What about the Somos Unidos Award? Who do you think it's that? Who embodies the Somos Unidos spirit on the team? Who do you think it's that? Harry Schwartz. Okay. Hey, now that's a good. That's a good. That's a good take. I like that. And I don't have anything better than that. So Veronica, for Veronica Zavala, <laughs> for Patrick Baca. For myself, Chris Walker, you've been listening to another episode from the Seek and Strike Collective here at We Are Seek and Strike Podcast. We'll catch you the next time you turn on your pod platform. Catch you next time. Bye, guys. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike Podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. 
To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.